Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Leaving Eden Podcast. Happy New Year to all and to all a good night. Wait, I did that wrong. <laughs> That's the... Uh... <laughs> can I? I'm sorry. I have, but... I have an intro. I can do an intro. You have an intro. Hit us with it. Can I just say, I am so happy to be sitting here with you two. I'm recording this. This is my first day back to work after being off for Christmas stuff. And... It is really nice when your first day back to work is hanging out with two of your best friends and just chilling. We are here. I'm here. My name is Gavriel Hakoen. Sadie Carpenter is with me as always. And we are joined by the one, the only, Dinah House Fire. Hello. Hello. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy 2024. How was how were your holidays? My holiday was kind of unusual this year um, because, um, like, my dad got the flu, and so we ended up not all hanging out as a family for obvious reasons. Um, so my partner and I ended up staying here and celebrating by having a really big brunch that I cooked and. Uh, sleeping pretty much all afternoon and then having a lovely dinner that he cooked and uh, watching a Christmas movie and falling asleep. It was perfect. I am really sad that I don't live close to you two because anything either one of you cooks looks so good to me. On I get pictures and I'm very jealous. Oh, well, thanks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're always welcome at the table. 
Yes, anytime you're in Philadelphia, Sadie, uh, I would love to have you and I would love to cook for you. My Christmas was kind of quiet. I watched football. The Philadelphia Eagles were playing. They played the New York Giants and they barely squeaked out a win, which is a little bit embarrassing. And I went to a Chinese restaurant to get takeout and it took two hours for them to tell me that they actually canceled my order. Two hours of me waiting to pick up my order for them to tell me that they canceled my order, which made me sad. But then I went to a different Chinese restaurant and Uh, I got food, which was good. Victory. Yeah. That is, that's a journey for Christmas Chinese dinner. It's all I wanted. Um, And it's the spirit of the holiday. By the way, if you're listening to this show, if you're new to our show and you don't know who Dinah Housefire is. I feel like this is the weirdest um, rehash. Yes. Um, So I was raised in a very conservative Baptist uh, sect and went to China as a missionary under the guise of being a student. And in the process, without going back through the whole story, there's other episodes you can find um i picked up a gay demon and brought it back to the states with me apparently and um had christian counselors give me an exorcism and release the gay demon into a dragon ring um and now i am uh professionally gay and wear heels and and wigs sometimes (laughs) exorcism clearly worked Yeah, yeah i don't think it took Either that or maybe it was like a reverse exorcism where like if you do the exorcism wrong, it just amplifies the whatever's in there just gets like supercharged. It's like, you know how in Dragon Ball Z, when if you like beat a Saiyan down to like it within an inch of their life and then they like recover, they recover to be even stronger. Mm. I Okay, I don't know, but it sounds like this is also what happens when you have sex with Elton John. <laughs> I'm guessing that they're similar where like you you come back gayer. Surely that's how it works. <laughs> it's well, I, I I can't be sure. I've never done it, but I'm I'm assuming that that's how it works. Not saying that you wouldn't, just that you never have. Um I mean I you know, I'm going to leave it the option open. That's that's but I'm not actively pursuing the opportunity. Gabby, your your over dedication to Christmas tradition was uh, spending three hours getting Chinese food. Um, mine was baking so many too many cookies. Um, oh, yours sounds more fun. I may have to send you some because now I have a lot of cookies in my freezer. <laughs> I wouldn't complain one bit. Can I ask what kind of cookies? I made two family recipes, so trash and haystacks. Um, which are both kind of a candy or a drop cookie situation. Mm. I made Jonathan's favorite cookie, uh, which is peanut butter thumbprint cookies with Hershey's Kisses in them. Mm. And then I made chocolate mint white chocolate chip cookies. What kind of cookies does Chuck like the best? She has been really into the trash. Okay. So for uninitiated, uh, trash. <laughs> I was say, you might want to elaborate. She's <laughs> like this. Is she like a raccoon now. <laughs> she's she's fully my unsupervised dog. She's, she's a toddler the week after Christmas, buddy. Um, no, she, well, she is a raccoon. <laughs> too much sugar. Trash is a cinnamon toast crunch cereal, roasted peanuts, and that is mixed into 
white chocolate candy and then dropped on a cookie sheet. That sounds delicious. I would eat the out of that. That's fantastic. No, I also um, I also received a Strong's Concordance for Christmas from my mother. (laughs) It is it is giant. Like it's significantly bigger than my MacBook. It's like four MacBooks stuck stacked together. Um, the the actual title is like, like, um, like the the gold standard. Yes. For those that don't know, Sadie is excitedly discussing a very large, very thick book about translating the Bible. Yeah, it's a reference work for Bible geeks. <laughs> um, the actual title is Strong's Expanded Exhaustive Concordance of the Bible. Exhaustive is. For real. I mean, you'll get exhausted just carrying that thing around. (laughs) Every word of the Bible indexed. So, every word that is used in English translations of the Bible and where those words are found in Scripture. So, if you wanted every mention of the word behold, you could find that. It also has reference information for finding individual Greek words used in the original Greek text, for example, and where they are used in scripture and what they are translated to in the English text. It's it's a very, very huge reference work for the Bible. So if someone were trying to, I don't know, predict the rapture, this book would be extremely That's useful. what I got it for. <laughs> <laughs> Dinah, what's the best gift that you got? Um, I got... <laughs> my partner is adorable, and I'm not going to say he's not a great gifter, but like he's not the most confident gifter, but he gave me the cutest pair of shoes. Um, And apparently he, he told me that he um, went into my closet and looked at all the colors of my clothes and came back with the notion that I mostly wear things that remind him of early nineties, Nickelodeon and Taco Bell. And so, (laughs) (laughs) which is not untrue. And so he got me a pair of like really cute uh, Reeboks that are like teal and purple and orange. That's adorable. And I just thought it was so sweet. Are they comfortable? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Wear, yeah. You, you, they're they're nice, um, and they are they're very comfortable. Um, but yeah, I thought just like the story behind it was was so sweet, and like I can see him like fretting over what what colors and and how to do it, and so it was very. Very thoughtful. That is so adorable. That is I felt like this year, both the gifts that I got for other people and the gifts that I got for myself were, that I received, were, it was the best year for presents ever. Uh, I got, well, I didn't. Santa Claus got Chuck a Barbie, a little people Barbie dream house. (laughs) And when she came down the stairs on Christmas morning... (laughs) She literally stopped and stared with her mouth open and froze for a full 60 seconds at least. Just did not move. Just looked at it. It was so cool. And then um, I I get uh, Jonathan had made a joke about we had to get a garage door repair that was expensive. And he had joked about, oh, well, that's a Christmas present for me. So I took the garage door invoice and wrapped it in a box, <laughs> gave it to him for Christmas. But underneath the garage door invoice, I did put tickets to a concert that he really wants to go to. So it was both a 
prank Aww. and a great gift. <laughs> That's very cute. I got um, a very excellent gift as well. You know with, you know what I got for my girlfriend? I think girlfriend. I do. Sadie, I told you, Dinah, you know what I got for my girlfriend as a Hanukkah present? Um, also, shout out to her. She got me eight presents oh. this year. She got me, I mean... Uh, I mean, she got me a, pre- but like some of them were just like little, like little tiny things. It's just like a thing that you can. But unwrap. that's how Hanukkah's supposed to be, like, right? Like you get like socks, and you get like you get like a pair of socks. You get like, I mean, she got me a pair. Like one of the things she got me was like just a, a nice pair of gloves because my hands get cold, um, which was very thoughtful. So, like she knitted me a scarf too, and that was a very sweet gift. Um, but no, she got me tickets to see the Philadelphia Eagles play the Arizona Cardinals on New Year's Eve. Um, yeah, which I'm like, I'm very excited for. So if you're listening to this episode now, I I think we're going to put it out a little before, like before midnight on New Year's Eve. So, um, if the Eagles win, I'm in a great mood. And if the (laughs) Eagles lose, I'm in a terrible mood and, uh, it's going to ruin, uh, the entirety of my New Year's celebrations. Really? Uh, yeah, they, they will. I'm going to wear a tuxedo anyway, because, you know, I mean, why wouldn't you? But you, you and your tuxes, you need to go to Mardi Gras in Mobile. I would. My tuxedo is from 1937. Anyway, I'm going to do the before we get into that, and then we're going to do the TW, and then we're going to like actually get into the meat of this episode, because we have some fun here. I mean, it's, it's Taco Bell meat, so I don't know if that's meat, but it's like... (laughs) No, we do. Technically we do have New Year's celebration an plans for this episode. Yeah, and we have maybe an announcement. Or I, I don't know how specific we're going to get with that. Um, but yeah, the Leaving Eden podcast is the podcast about my BFF and co-host, cult expert, cult survivor Sadie Carpenter's life in and escape from the Independent Fundamental Baptist cult, the cult in which she was raised. We talk about this cult. We talk about other cults. We talk about religion. We talk about fundamentalism. We talk about the real and present threat that cults and cult ideologies pose to society as a whole. And it is our goal to promote freedom of mind, freedom of thought, and freedom of religion. So if you like our show, if you are a fan of our show, there's a few things you can do to show your support. You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash leaving Eden podcast. You can join our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash Eden Exodus and our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Eden Exodus on the Patreon. You can find extended and uncensored and ad free versions of most of our episodes. And on those other two places, you can find a great community, great place to have a discussion about what you hear on the show. Or, you know, just if you want to share some memes, religion related content discussion, a lot of general discussion there, a lot of discussion of stuff on the show, a lot of fun, great community that we have there. Um, we have. Faith Promise Missions and I Gave It All to Your Patrons to thank are I Gave It All to Your Patrons. Your names are Kathleen Moncrief, Melora King, Melissa Mosley, 1010, and Todd Dale on behalf of his lovely deconstructorina of a wife, Madeline Antrim. Our Faith Promise Missions to Your Patrons, your names are Alex P., Allie Allen, Autumn of Our Discontent, Brittany, Chrissa, Dan, the trans man, Dora J, Eleanor Donahue, Hannah Ross, Hannah Montana, Hoosier X Fundy, Hope Norum, Horton Here's a Shane, Janine Collin, Jen Kaharski, Jessica Tambo, Jonna, 
Kat Henwood, Kay Terwee, Kristen Marie, Leaving Eden's Christmas Ho Ho Ho, aka Sadie's BFF Morgan, Linda Morgan, Lindsay Goss, Madeline Antrim, Madeline Cusick, Marlena Stuve, Marsha Millard, Mary Williams, Mary Martin, Megan Arendt, Melissa, Rob the Methodist, Stephanie Johnson, Steve and Amy, Susie, Tara McNamara, and as always, Wes the Cowboy. Thank you guys so much. So let's let's talk about 2023 in review. We've compiled some fundy-related news and events from this year, um, notable episodes that we did, so we can have a, a retrospective on 2023. Honestly, looking back at uh, 2023, uh, at our 2023 episodes, like, low-key, I was, like, looking back at the, the schedule like we did that. We did wall-to-wall bangers, if I do say so <laughs> myself. I'm proud of the content that we made personally i think you should be. i don't know how you guys feel the show is good i i enjoy listening to it every week i enjoy your color commentary through text message every week <laughs> i feel like we need to get like the the episode and then we need to get the dino house fire like riff tracks uh ms3k uh I ms3k mean... <laughs> oh gosh i <laughs> well i'll let you you know start where you want to start and i'll chime in with with my crazy okay. stuff whenever if you want to do like a YouTube channel, I promise I won't DMCA you for copyright infringement. Oh my. If you want to just like riff tracks our whole <laughs> If you want to yeah, riff tracks what what do we have? 100,000 minutes of content. Jesus. I was going I was going to go back and count how many minutes of content we put out in 2023, but I was too tired. From making all the content. Making all the content. (laughs) So in in January of 2023, uh, we received Ginger's Tell Nothing book. This was, we were so hyped for this and there was nothing in it. They were like little (laughs) tiny fun things. My high school uh, AP US history teacher was this little old lady named Miss Walker. And she always told us that when we were writing our essays that she didn't want no gravy. She wants meat. She don't want no gravy. <laughs> All we got was gravy here. You know how like whenever before a, like a celebrity memoir comes out, there'll be like the People magazine headlines that will be like mm-hmm. bombshell. You know, this person says that this crazy thing happened, like, you know, to try to get you to read it. The bombshell that I remember seeing from like People magazine and Us Weekly was like, Ginger says her brother Josh needs a new heart. And I'm like, that's not even a bottle rocket. Like, that's nothing. I was going to make a joke about uh, the, the Chinese food that I did end up getting, um, but <laughs> that's how much of a bombshell it was. Uh, but it did. It, it did made your us. tummy rumble. I'm glad we did Ginger's book, though, because we did get to do some theological episodes. Um, we did one on Calvinism. And I know that I have to circle back and talk about John MacArthur. Um I genuinely dislike him so much, but I don't hate him in a fun way. Like I hate Steven Anderson in a fun way. I John MacArthur, I hate him in a totally different way and it doesn't seem fun. 
or and he's not entertaining enough like Steven Anderson is. Well, speaking of people that we hate in a more fun way, in February we reviewed Paul and Morgan's sex content, which had about as much sex in it as Ginger's book did bombshells. I do get the feeling that whenever we like whenever we review any of these sex content stuff that's made by fundies, the the fundy man is always like we need to like get serious about this. This is an adult thing that adults talk about. I'm an adult man and I talk about this thing, but here's <laughs> me not talking about it except for if I can like humble brag about how much I know about it. Right. But without actually giving any details. Right. I know sex stuff. I do good at sex stuff. <laughs> was it a, uh, I do good was sex it a things. John LaJoie song that was, I'm a real good sex haver. Is that, um, yeah, that's, um, E equals MC vagina. Yes. That's yes. <laughs> Canadian treasure. Because <laughs> the problem the problem is that if you're like a, a, a fundy sex book or like a fundy sex advice person, you can only have sex with one person if you're a Christian fundamentalist in your entire life. So anything that's like possibly outside of the very milk toast mainstream vanilla that you say you should try this you can only say you should try this if it's something that you've tried and you're basically just like saying you know even if it's something like you're putting your wife on blast yeah, yeah you're you're putting your wife on blast maybe unzip the denim skirt <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry if i just caused anyone to stumble <laughs> I mean, I, you're, I how, how tall are you? You're like six foot four, so you've got like legs that go up for days. <laughs> I'm six four before uh, hair and heels. <laughs> okay, okay, but hair doesn't like count towards your height. Like if it does I, if, when you're a drag queen, Gavi. Okay, but if you were in the if 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 you were in the NBA draft, and we're just like here's Dinah Housefire, six foot four. Uh, like how how big's your wingspan? <laughs> I, I, I mean, no like, because we'd be talking about how tall. I mean, I'm a big person, so like, just extrapolate. Like, I'm right. So we'd be talking about like post moves. We'd be talking about like, uh, uh, I've never been asked for my wings before. <laughs> well, clearly, your drag costumes aren't elaborate enough. Then, <laughs> um, excuse me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I don't know my wingspan. Uh, that's. um but you know i was also not really considered for the nba draft um because of my complete lack of of hand-eye coordination okay so you don't have handles um i don't know what any of this means never it's fine i don't think is when we're talking i think the the, you've got the wrong bitch in the studio yeah you're not you're not picking up on the fact that the gay balance of our show shifts dramatically when dinah is here is it balanced (laughs) no it's not like one and a half one and a half unfortunately no because you bring out the gay side for me so it's more like it's okay. it's still not quite a 50-50 balance. I mean, but they did basketball in high school musical, so oh. Okay, high school musical <laughs> is not terrible, but it's also not great. 
And <laughs> if a high school actually produces high school musical like on stage, I'm just I can't imagine that you don't have like 17 gays trying to throw balls at each other <laughs> and it going poorly. <laughs> I have never, in my personal theater education career, I have never been involved with a production of the High School Musical, but I can only imagine how horrible that rehearsal process would be. <laughs> You'd have to bring in like, the basketball coach who's going to be like, okay, I got to teach you guys the triple threat position. So if you get in the triple threat position, what can I do? I can dribble, I can pass, I can shoot. <laughs> They're going to be like, meanwhile, you've got a choreographer on the other side going and plie, plie. And it just goes really poorly in my imagination. It might be great. You know, it might be, I, like I said, I've never done it. Should we talk about but, something more universally loved by the gays? What? Well, in March, we. Poppers? In March, we got. No, Jen. In March, we got to talk to oh. Jen from Fundy Fridays. So, March was a pretty good um, month for our show. Honestly, I'm still kind of shocked that that happened. Oh, yeah. A little bit. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't seem real. She seemed great. I love when I get on mic with somebody, and this happens all the time when we have guests or when I go on somebody else's show, but you get on mic with somebody in that little five, ten minutes before recording, and you realize that they really are who they make themselves out to be on their show or their channel. And it's Aww. it's just such a, a comforting experience. Like, oh, this person is really genuine. This person is showing their real personality, and okay, this is going to be great. I mean, we make content for a living. Um, and like, do you ever, do you ever meet people who also do that? And like, when the cameras are on, they're like one person, they're like, here's the energy, like I'm bringing the, and then when the cameras, you know, go off or the microphone turns off, they're like a completely different person. And I, like Paris Hilton style. I've had that experience a couple of times and it's been very weird. It's been very jarring. Yeah, I haven't. I really haven't because I don't meet other content creators except for the people that we meet through this show. Another notable occurrence from March was the start of the Taylor Swift Eras Tour. Oh, that's what you meant when you were talking about universally loved by the gays. I think <laughs> Jen is more universally loved by the gays because with Taylor, you've got the Gaylers and then you've got people who hate the Gaylers and it's a whole thing. Um, I find that my I, I have a, a close work colleague friend who is a big Swifty and also a lesbian. And so I think we shouldn't underestimate the lesbian Swifty contingent. Oh, I would never underestimate the lesbian Swifty contingent. Uh and she she would she'll always tell me, but her lyrics, she writes the lyrics and it's just amazing. And I'm like, okay. I, I, think off, I think it's important, though, to talk about Eras Tour because another demographic that Taylor Swift is popular with is deconstructors because the mm. themes of freedom and breaking free that come up so often in her work. I wouldn't describe myself as a Swifty because I think that's maybe a little bit more obsessive than I would describe myself, but I definitely am a fan of her music. I think that she has good songs. It like it, It's very interesting, though, to see this year, like following the eras tour that Taylor Swift has somehow made football even more popular than it already was. Just like I didn't I didn't think that was possible. Like even with people who are 
proud of the who are proud of the fact that they don't follow sports and will like totally proclaim that they only watch super bowl for the ads and say like sports ball you know you know those people the sports ball people sure yeah that's exhausting but like i've legit seen people go from like sports are dumb to okay i'll watch football ironically to see taylor's boyfriend taylor might be there too to wait Watching football with my friends and my family is actually fun. People, I get why people like this now. I think that's great. I have not come that far. Yeah. You haven't come that far, Dinah. Yeah, I, I'm i not anti-football and like I don't care if you want to watch football. I also don't personally choose to watch football. Um, my brother-in-law is a big um, Dallas Cowboys fan because Ew. he's from Fort Worth. Um, my partner likes what I know that's it's controversial. Um, my partner likes watching football. I just it's not for me, but I am probably more aware of football now because of Taylor Swift's boyfriend, whose name I don't remember and team I don't remember, but I, I know that he exists. He's Travis Kelsey and he plays for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, but I know he exists and and I know that it's been a big deal. Um, I also just don't I don't keep up with Taylor stuff that much. So I'm not anti Taylor at all, but I'm not, you know, trying to keep up with her personal life. I think it's great that more people have gotten into football because of Taylor, because I think anything that broadens people's scope, I think that's a good thing. Sure. You know what else? I think more people have gotten into Taylor because of football. Hmm. What you you haven't seen this that um you know now like I mean I've seen some football fans who have been like resentful that they keep showing Taylor Swift on the broadcast but then I keep I've seen some foot like I don't know I just feel like she's bigger now with more people like it's almost like oh well Taylor's into football so it's acceptable for me as like a straight white guy to be into Taylor Swift huh. You know what I'm saying? Like she, she likes football. She's dating a football player. I can, un- I, I can say like, oh, I, her songs slap unironically because like, I mean, Cruel Summers, that's a good song. I wish the guys didn't feel you like know? they need an excuse, but still anything that broadens a person's scope, that's a, that's a net positive. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, some people they're, they're going to need like liking something with an excuse to like that thing is like the first step into them broadening their horizons. So I think that's, I think that's true. And that's nice to see. Did anything happen in April? Dinah, did anything happen to you in April? Um, we teched and then ran the first production of mean girls, the musical in the state of Arkansas. Oh, congratulations. Is mean girls, the musical good. It actually is really good. Um, and it's weird because they've got the new, like they've got the movie adaptation coming out and they're not marketing the fact that it's a musical. And I'm like, people are going to be surprised about what's going on here. But yeah, it's, it's actually really good. It's, it's updated from the, the source material, um, but it keeps a lot of the moments that you like. Are you the person who chooses what musical your school is going to do? I'm not the person who chooses, but I am on the team that helps choose, if that makes sense. Huh. How, does it, how does it feel to be everybody's least favorite person for a month? Um, you know, I've been really fortunate in that that has not happened to me yet. Um, but I say that the team really wanted to do um, 
SpongeBob the Musical this coming spring because it's that's a really cute show. It's got wonderful music. Um, and I, as a person who did not grow up on SpongeBob, actually really liked the musical adaptation. And so I'm like, cool, whatever. But our kids caught wind of that and absolutely refused and like lost their minds and protested. And it was a whole thing. And I was like, okay, we're going to have to put that one back on the shelf for a few years until these guys graduate. And then maybe we can do SpongeBob. We're gearing up now. We like took a left and we're doing the lightning thief, which is the Percy Jackson musical. Um, But the kids are stoked about that. My experience with this has, was obviously really, really fundified. So in my school, it was which patch the pirate musical are we going to do? Um, but from books, well, no, it's not. Is it really though? Because if that's the canon of works mm. that you have available to you, and you as a kid who is into musicals and into this canon of work hate some of them and like some of them, or some of some of the opportunities from this canon of work have a part that will be good for you and others do not, and you want to pick. You want the people in charge to pick a certain one. Mm. I don't know. Is that that different of an experience? Uh, I mean, yes and no. I think I get what you're saying because there are there. That was definitely the case for me when I was in high school and doing theater. Um, there were parts that or there were shows that I wanted to do or didn't want to do. And then now as a person on the other side of it, who is one of like, I'm one of the designers that works on this show. There are shows that I want to do and shows that I really, really don't want to do. And so, yeah, I mean, I get, I do get that. And I know that there is disappointment around, Oh, well they picked this show and it doesn't have any strong male leads or they picked this show. And it doesn't have any strong female leads or whatever. Um, or or they pick, yeah, they picked this show and the Soprano yeah. role is a supporting character and I'm a Soprano. So either I can really train to try to fit that alto role or I'm not going to be able to audition for a leading character. Right. Or you're not a mezzo soprano. So you're not going to be able to, you know, belt in all the places that they need you to. Um, Yeah, Mm -hmm. no, I I do get Um, that. I will say we try really hard at the school where I am to take into consideration those things. Um, There are a lot of criteria that we look through as far as does it have the potential for multiple ensembles, multiple choruses to be there so that we can include as many people as possible? Um, You know, do we have the bench strength of enough guys or enough girls in this range or of this, you know, particular type that we can find somebody that'll work for all the characters? But we try really hard on the educator side, we try really hard not to precast anything. So like, I know that we're doing Mm. Percy Jackson, the musical, and I know that it's got this character, this character, this character, but I have no idea who those, those actors are going to be. And oftentimes in shows, we have been known to cast across gender lines and, you know, sort of expected racial lines and things like that. As long as we think that the actor can, do the stuff. So I think we try to take into consideration some of those concerns that you're expressing because we've all been that kid who goes, oh, uh, we're mm-hmm. doing that. Uh, you know, and then that's where my experience takes a hard left from things I've read about in books about like fiction books about high school, um, where my experience very strongly diverges from that. 
is in a Fundy High School, you may be the only person who can play a girl leading character. Mm. So you are already, you are precast and you're going to have to do, you don't have a choice whether you want to be in this production or not, you are going to be in this production. Um, And if there is one female lead, you are going to play that character, whether you like it or not. So you are really hoping that they pick something that you will be passionate about and you'll be excited about. See, my experience being in theater in high school is auditioning for every show and never getting cast in any of them. So that's... That's not true. You got cast as a Nazi one time. No, I didn't get cast as a Nazi. So this is the story. Oh, right. Okay. Is that... uh, So my, my high school had two theater teachers. One was a woman who... She would do the sh- the the play in the fall, mm-hmm. and that was that was not a musical. That was just like a play, and I wasn't the greatest actor, so I would try out for those, and I you know, but I would not really. I I I think I made it to callbacks like two or three times, but like I, I would never get to like the final round, and but like. I was one of really one of the better singers in the school or, or at least, you know, of the people of my year. Like, and so, you know, I would always go and audition for the musical because I wanted to be in that and I would never get cast because I just, I really didn't get along with the guy that was the, um, the theater teacher that would do the musical in the spring. He, like he and I just did not see eye to eye on a lot of things. And there was the, um, like I would, I would try out for, a role and I would, you know, practice really hard and I would do a really good job at singing. And then he would just be like, okay, great. And then, you know, I'd walk out and then I'd, like not even get called back for it. Or then there was like the, when they did my senior year, when they did the sound of music, I was like, okay, I'll try out for these roles or whatever. He's like, well, the roles for that you could do, there aren't really, a, there isn't really a good tenor role. So, I mean, you could try out for this one. I'm like, that's bullshit because I can sing baritone range as well, like better than a lot of the people who are singing baritone Is range. Von because Trapp I'm baritone. Yes. Okay. That that was, was the role say, that Is I was. Rolf tra- not a tenor. That's what I was wondering too. Rolf seems like he would be a tenor. Nah, I I don't know. I guess there. The, I I can't remember what it was, but he was basically just like, there's no role that you can that there's no role for you in the show. I'm like, well, I'm going to try out for it anyway. And then he was like, well, you can be in the chorus, but you got to play a Nazi. And I'm like, no, that's really strange because, uh, well, and you're talking about the sound of music, which is older, but like modern musicals, they're dying for tenors that can hit crazy notes. And uh, yeah, that's, that's wild. The year ahead of me, in school, there were a lot of really talented tenors. Mm. Um, and then my year, there was me and I think one or two other guys. But like, it, and, and it, it was basically like I was always the one that was left out, and that kind of sucked. And I hated, like, and I was just never cast in anything because you know what? I was not the greatest actor. See, I did not fair. get good any any kind of usable acting skills until later. I didn't get into anything on my own merit until <clears throat> I got picked by a grad student at Pensacola to do Portia in her Merchant of Venice. Hmm. Ooh, that sounds fun. It was an um, unstaged production. Like, was it like a reading? Modern clothes, very... 
No, it wasn't a reading. It was modern clothes, very minimal props, no sets. Oh, gotcha. And did the first act of Merchant of Venice. Hmm. But it was fun. And that was the first thing I ever got into, like, on my own merit um, and got to do acting stuff. That's awesome. I'm happy for you that you got to do that. That's cool. Before that, it was um, Sissy Seagull, Wonder Fantabulous, Captain Patch. And um, (laughs) um, I played the Statue of Liberty in a Patch the Pirate play. And I got to be Mrs. Cratchit in um, that that thing. Yep. Was it even Muppet Christmas Carol? No, Gavi, Muppets are satanic. What? Okay, that's f***ed up. That's the worst thing the IFB has ever (laughs) said. Muppet Christmas Carol, and this is not a hot take, is the best Christmas Carol. And, like, there's no competition. Um, my school, here's, here's Fundy T for y'all. Uh, my school principal watched like 14 different versions of A Christmas Carol and wrote his own script. Oh my God. Um, which did include Scrooge getting saved at the end. Of course it did. (laughs) Well, because you can't, you have to wedge it in there somewhere. Right. You have to wedge um, in a presentation of the gospel. and Is one of the ghosts that comes back the ghost of Jesus? No. Oh. Um, I did. Um, <laughs> Mrs. Playing Mrs. Cratchit was horribly boring because I had all of three minutes of stage time and just had to sit behind the stage. But then my friend who was playing a different, I think my friend was playing Ghost of Christmas Present, maybe. She had a different part. And she freaked out at the last minute and wouldn't go on stage. So I had to sit behind the curtain and read her lines. So that was a bit of excitement. I also got to make the sets for that production of A Christmas Carol. That's fine. Nice. Mm-hmm. That was that, the best part of it was that I got to make all the sets. And nobody was really giving me instructions. They just said, here's a bunch of refrigerator boxes and some paint. We oh, need Lord. these four sets. Have fun. <laughs> Oh my. But I really I really had fun doing it. I mean, you had full creative control, Sadie. Yeah. You know how many uh uh, uh stage directors or or what is it? It's uh, uh set designers would kill for that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I had a fun time. It was me and the guy who played Scrooge who was one of my best friends in high school um before my high school effectively disbanded <laughs> and we made all the sets. It was really it was really great. Wow. So, shall we move on to May and go back to 2023 after traversing multiple years and decades there? Okay. Um, In May, we covered the Scopes Monkey Trial. I don't know how popular that episode was with our listeners. It seemed like they enjoyed it, but not as much as I enjoyed it because that was it immediately permanent place on my list of favorite episodes ever. I remember when we were talking about doing that and you like started your list of sources and I'm like, wait, <laughs> what? hold on. This is upsetting. And you read like eight books. I, I did was not that where you read, read the Chiniqui and the... No, that uh, was Alberto Rivera. Oh, that was Alberto Rivera. Okay. Before. I'm looking... I'm going to see if I can pull this up on Patreon real quick because I want to see how many sources I had for Scope's Monkey Trial. 
you guys aren't there for like when we're talking about episodes and when we're like trying to hash out like our outlines slash the write out things that we're going to say in the Google Doc. When Sadie gets into like, uh, like it's almost upsetting <laughs> to watch. She goes into like Sadie nerd beast mode. No, so what will happen is we'll be like, okay, from uh, from like one to three, her time, which is like from four to six, my time, we're going to go into the Google Doc and work on this episode. And like, I'll be in there from four to six, and I'll see like Sadie's cursor blinking, and there won't be anything like being written because she'll be just like reading um, something and i'll be like typing i'll be like doing some research i'll be typing stuff out i'll be like just like hashing out outlines or whatever and she'll be like okay i want you to research this thing this thing this thing and put some stuff in the doc i'm like okay cool if she's taking the lead on that that episode then i do that and then like it'll get to be six and i'm like i've got to like run i've got other commitments <laughs> or something and then like i'll leave and i'll come back and check the doc at like one in the morning and there will be just like four thousand <laughs> words that weren't in there before and i'm like this is and it, it will just be like hashtag like everything will just be like transitions written out a full sentence just, outline for the entire episode i mean i've seen just, some of your I mean, outlines it, like, it's upsetting <laughs> and they're kind of wild well, my dad always said you have to write from the overflow. So what I generally do is I will read as much about the thing as I can fit in my head and keep all the tabs open. So I have like 40 tabs open. And then from memory, I write the entire thing. And then I go back through each tab that I opened and put in my sources and fact check like if I wrote down a year, I go back to the source that I got it from and check to make sure I remembered it correctly when I wrote it. Totally casual. I mean, so how Sadie, how many tabs do you have open in your browser right now? Right now. Right now. Let's see one, two, three, four, five. And we've been off for a week. This is the first time we've said like Sadie and I have not done anything like at all work related since what's today, the twenty seventh. We haven't done anything okay. since like the twentieth. Still counting. <laughs> 37 uh 38 39 40 41 40 42 you have 42 tabs okay and that's that's like a light well a lot yeah and a lot of them were related to christmas presents that i was shopping for for people oh okay well i mean because like i have one two three four five six seven i have seven tabs open one of them is the online thing we're recording this in two of them one of them is the podcast email one of them is my personal email one of them is a google doc and a couple of them are just like other random things that i was reading about but that's just like normal but sadie's just like all the tabs all the time it's actually kind it's of the only way I can it's like i looked at mine right now so i've i opened a new window for podcasting <laughs> today um but my other window which is where i have all of my like work tabs open um i had 13 tabs open over there so i opened a new window for this and since we have been talking um i have four tabs open including the one for the recording uh i have one vietnamese restaurants near me i have one um <laughs> on what's yep. in an alabama slammer and 
<laughs> oh, I have that one too. I have Alabama and Slammer. And I have Rose. one on the release date for <laughs> Gypsy Rose Blanchard. So, um, tomorrow, nice right? Tomorrow. Wait, are, what's that? Are what? we oh doing predictions later? <clears throat> yes. Okay, let's hold off on, the, yeah, on doing that for now because that, that's one of my predictions. I, I have thoughts. Okay. In May, not only did we talk about the Scopes Monkey Trial, which Sadie was very excited about, I had a lot of fun talking about because this was a period of American history that um, I didn't like it might have gotten like a paragraph or two in my AP US history thing. But I think that would by that time I was cheating and just copying other people's notes and not doing the homework. So I don't think I really learned about it. But no, in, in May, I went to the Kentucky Derby. Uh, are we are we ready to go to June? Let's go to June because a, a lot happened in June and we might should do June and then take a break. So June was uh, the Ocean Gate submersible. Yep. Oh, yeah. You remember that? That was the mm. thing that like I was making this list and it occurred to me that that happened <laughs> and that we were going to have to talk about it. <laughs> I I have trouble being like terribly empathetic about the situation. And I don't want to come off as like a callous ass, but man, the thing the it's more called, I learned about it, it's called ocean gate. You get in the submarine <laughs> and you see it's like a PlayStation controller. Like that they got from it's like Logitech too. It's not even like a real one, like the off brand one. And that wasn't a clue for you to be like, okay, nah, I'm not getting in this. I'm like, this is not going down. I'm no, absolutely not. All I keep thinking is like, they just wanted to see the Titanic, which understandable would be cool. But now their hearts will not go on. (laughs) (laughs) Also, like, what's the big deal with the Titanic that people are like, I need to like, I need to see this thing for real. Like what's- I think there's like a romantic idea of the Titanic as like this luxury ship and it was, you know, the the fanciest, wildest, you know, poshest ship ever built and and like there's you know, this is during the time of of like oil tycoons and you know early american money being made and so it was so fancy and we were so boastful that it was an unsinkable ship and then you know we were spitting in god's eye and and we got what was coming to us as humanity like there there is like a i don't know i get it like i'm not i would not go down in a submersible to see it but like i get the fascination but also like i think that you know, I'm a little bit older than you guys. So when the Titanic movie came out, I was probably in like seventh or eighth grade, maybe. Um, and so it, I remember it being a huge deal. And then I also remember like those were the first boobs I ever saw. So like, yeah, somebody, someone that I'm married to is is a lot closer to your age. I've heard the mm-hmm. tales of the time. And, and so it just imprints on your brain. But it was like a madness for a while uh, right uh, right there at the end of the 20th century around the Titanic and like people were like got really really into it I think it carries over still I guess maybe I'm just too young to understand like okay I get that it was a boat and I get the movie was really good I don't understand why you would risk your life to see it in person I mean people risk their lives going to Everest Um, I mean like we risk our lives doing lots of silly things 
Ooh, that's true. Don't bring up Sadie's favorite topic. <laughs> I, I am. The JFK pers- assassination. Uh, Everest is the second one. Is the the, mm-hmm. the number two topic on that list? Would you climb Everest? Absolutely not. Um, no. There you go. Same thing then. No way. Um, I would love at some point. Now I have I have plans with listener Michaela Upright, so she has claimed this spot. Uh, she does cl- rock climbing and has fr- real life friends who have done Everest. And we have an agreement that we are going to go to base camp one, one day, which is like not even a quarter of the way up Everest. <laughs> My lungs are pretty crappy. So there's no way I would ever attempt to summit, but I would really love to go one day and do the, the hike to base camp one. Just to be on, just to say I've been on the mountain. I mean, just to visit like Kathmandu seems like a really cool place to visit. Yeah. I want to go to Nepal so bad. And base camp one is low enough that I think if I was in good, if I had good physical conditioning, um, I wouldn't need any extra help other than just getting in better shape. Everest, uh, 28,000 feet? No, uh, base camp one. Base camp one. I can look it up. Oh, I just looked it up. It is 17,598 feet. So that's pretty it is? high. Okay, never mind. I'm yeah. just going to the bottom of the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I changed my mind, actually. 17, yeah, 17,598 feet. Uh, I mean, have you ever, what's the highest elevation mountain you've ever been to the top of? Or not to the top uh, of, but like, what's the highest elevation mount like you've ever been to? Probably the highest elevation I've ever been to. Probably the hill that my old apartment building was on. <laughs> <laughs> or the Rose Garden. So, so Sadie, I have a good friend who's like 400 feet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I have a good friend who uh, climbed Kilimanjaro like last year, I believe it was. And she she was living in Chicago at the time and she would just like urban hike with heavy packs in preparation for it for months before she went. And I just remember it being a really like interesting thought of like this young woman just walking around Chicago, looking like a a mountain climber uh, in preparation for going to Africa. So you might have to, you know, start doing that. I mean, like Kilimanjaro is one of the ones that you can do. Like it's difficult, but you can do like, it's not, it's, not as likely to get you killed as doing Everest. Oh, correct, correct, correct. Yeah. But just like that physical conditioning of like, I want to make sure I can handle this before I, I get there. I mean, the the other one that I've heard is is really like, incre- that people do is Denali. Mm-hmm. Up in Alaska. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's a place that I would, I mean, you've, Sadie, you've been to Alaska. I have been to Alaska. Yes, not that part of Alaska. But yeah. I have been to Alaska. I would go see Denali. That, no, see, that I wonder, now I wonder if I actually hiked some decent elevation in, in Alaska. I don't, I went, you probably did. I don't really know where I was. Um, you can look up what the elevation on Matanuska Glacier is because that's, I camped at Matanuska Glacier. How do you spell that? M-A-T-A-N-U-S-K-A. Um, I, y'all, when I, <laughs> right before I really became an adult and settled down and like got responsible, I took this trip to Alaska and I went with zero plan um i had a friend in like between anchorage and seward that i was going to meet up with but i just i flew into anchorage i rented a car me and my friend and two other friends just got in the car and drove north and did not really know where we were (laughs) or where we were going 
we just drove until we ran out of time and needed to turn around to drive back to get everybody back for work the next day. And where I ended up was this place like past Copper Center. I still don't really know where I was. I'm looking at a map to see if I figure it out. It says here that Matanuska Glacier is 3350 feet. So it's about uh, a thousand meters above sea level. Oh, hey, that's not so bad. And I did. I did. Yeah, that's not bad. That's like. Like hike up there and sleep up there. So yeah, I don't, if you look up Copper Center, wherever I ended up was somewhere north of that. <laughs> so for uh, comparison, the summit of Mount Hood is 11,249 feet. I climbed up like about five years ago. I climbed South Sister, which is a mountain in central Oregon. I'm going to look up how high that is. I mean, I have friends South. who did Mount Hood in <laughs> tennis shoes and shorts because they're dumb. <laughs> that seems like a like up to the top top. Yep. I didn't know that you could do like no, you need like climbing gear to get up to the top of that. That seems like You a- really should. Have. These are the same friends I used to go urban exploring with and climbed onto a lot of buildings in Portland that you shouldn't be climbing onto for various legal reasons. So South Sister is um is a mountain in central Oregon. It's right near Mount Bachelor. That has a summit height, which you can like hike to the top of in the summer, of 10,358 feet. So I've done that. Okay. Um, and I got more sunburned than I've ever been in my entire life. I got <laughs> no. so sunburned that I like that I was sick for three days. Ugh. Yeah. Yikes. I have, I'm so sunburned that I had a tan line um, from that sunburn for two and a half years. Oof. But you know what else happened in June was Shiny Happy People came mm. out. Yep. I cannot believe both of those documentaries came out in a year. Yeah. It is so hard to like mentally deal with that. It, it is the year that all of my friends were in documentaries. <laughs> yeah. Yet not you. Always the bridesmaid, Sadie. That's okay. My book was in the other one. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, that was, it was mind-blowing, and we did not know, you know, we had a hunch that an IFB-specific documentary was probably coming in the near future, but we did not know at all that it would be this year, and did not expect that it would be this year. Um, So, seeing Shiny Happy People was a whole trip, because in my mind, I was thinking, oh, when is is the IFB getting one? Mm Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I had reason to think it was probably coming because uh, Eric had bo- had borrowed my fundamental seduction book and said, you know, if if somebody wanted to film this for something, would that be okay? You know, that kind of thing because he had an NDA, <laughs> and we, you know, I knew something was coming, but I didn't know it would be this year. So it was such a weird experience for me to see shiny happy people in June and not know that the IFB reckoning was so close, right around the corner. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems like it's really snowballed, doesn't it? Yeah. It, There's definitely seemed to be a lot more interest in IFB and IBLP well, they, in the last cult, year or so. It's also, it's cult stuff in general, because there are yeah. so many cult documentaries. If you open any streaming app right now, a few years ago, it was all true crime. And that kind of jumped the shark, in my opinion, with the Jeffrey Dahmer Netflix documentary. Yeah, people kind of realize, oh, this is more exploitative, and a lot of people that are making this content aren't really, they don't, like, a lot of people that make true crime content really do take the time to be like, we're trying to, you know, tell the stories of people who had horrible things happen to them, and maybe we can 
or maybe there were some people that got convicted wrongfully and we think that they should be set free. And there's Mm -hmm. a lot of people who do it in that vein. And those are the people who are really, we have a lot of love for people that do that. But I think a lot of the true crime content just kind of gets off on how exploitative it can be and how like, oh, that's messed up. Oh, that's messed up. Oh, did you hear about this gory detail of it? And it's not really like. Yeah, it gets to a point where it's not really dignified. For for the victims or the people consuming it or the people making the content. So cults are are this big thing right now. But it was it was really it was really a unique like emotional experience seeing shiny happy people and knowing people who were in it and then becoming friends with other people who are in it, like Lindsay, and and then suddenly it's my turn and it's happening to me. And oh my god. In June, we hosted our third annual Pride Month podcast-wide celebration. Um, we spoke to Pastor Noah as seen on Queer Eye, and then we finished up the month with an uncharacteristically serious Dinah episode where we had very big feelings <laughs> about Jim Elliott together. Oh, yeah. Happy Pride. <laughs> I was confused because I, I was just like, who is this guy? I've never heard of this. And you guys were like, no, this is the biggest thing ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, the the articles that we read and stuff, like it it was yeah. scandalous. Yeah, it was a big deal. So happy pride. Yeah. Yeah. Ha- happy pride always. And That's we'll right. see you. We'll see you next year and I'll maybe we'll go back to more fun content. We could do an every other year kind of custody situation. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. In um in full for a full disclosure, I'm sitting in my drag room surrounded by pride flags and wigs on wig heads and fabric and shoes and costumes. So I'm in full full form today, I think. Well good. So let's take a break. We'll come back and continue our year in review and talk about July. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, Sadie here. If this is your first time listening to the Leaving Eden podcast, make sure you go back and check out episode 57. It's a primer episode for new listeners. That episode tells my personal story and gives you all the terms and information that you'll need to know going forward. Also, check out our cult true crime series, The First Family of Fundamentalism, so that you can get the whole cult story. If you like our show, you can support us by joining our Patreon, where we have extended and uncensored episodes, as well as other bonus content available. You can also join in the discussion in our Facebook group, That group is called Eden Exodus. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell your worst enemy. 
The Leaving Eden podcast is a fully independent podcast, and we really appreciate your support. Now, back to the show. All right, we are back from our break. We're going to talk about July. What happened in July? Uh, in July, I bought a house. <laughs> Heck yeah. Um, and hey, it was good for you. A lot, a lot. Um, but this is something that's directly related to the growth of the podcast. It was a wild ride in a lot of ways, but it wouldn't have been possible without the support of our listeners. So I am very thankful, even though it was a very wild ride. If any of you had given like 10 cents less than you did, then Sadie would not have been approved. For no, the it's, no, it's not that. <laughs> it's, um, oh, I know they were. It wasn't, <laughs> yeah, it's not the amount of money. It's can you prove where this $5 two and a half years ago came from? Without using a screenshot, and it's, I'm without like, using my friends, a screenshot part that blows. I work mind. completely online. <laughs> it's kind of hard to prove things without doing screen without a screenshot. Can you get somebody to send me an email about it? No, that's not the wrong email. Yeah, it was stuff like that. It wasn't an amount of money problem. It was a <laughs> extreme detail problem. Um, July was also when Barbenheimer came out, that's and right. we got to talk about. Yeah, we got to talk about Barbie on the show, which was a lot of fun. And um, we got to talk about other things that, like, what is satanic? Satanic toys, satanic... Um, a Bill Gothard's obsession with Cabbage Patch dolls was another thing that we talked about. What is satanic? Pretty much everything. Yeah. And that was fun. Barbenheimer was fun. I Did, did you do them back-to-back? Back? Like, did you actually do Barbenheimer, Gavi? Not on the same day. No. I We went... Um, we went one weekend, I think we saw Barbie first, and then the next weekend we saw Oppenheimer. Okay. Um, I was just curious. I, I didn't either, because I, I just don't have the attention span to do something like that. But I did, yeah, I saw, I actually saw Oppenheimer first, and then, oh, you know what happened. I forgot. <laughs> I love my partner, I really do. But sometimes. Um, so we had... We had decided that we wanted to see Oppenheimer together, which was great. And so we had a Saturday. We were going to go see a movie. I was like, oh, hey, let's go see Oppenheimer. And and he's looking at the, um, the movie theater and he goes, or let's go see the Meg to the trench. And I was like, so what you really want to see? He said, yeah. And so I said, oh, you know what? I've got points on my, you know, Cinemark membership thing. We can go. And so we went and saw that. And as we're leaving, he says, you know, we should stay and see Oppenheimer. And I wanted to strangle him because obviously I was like, yeah. was Meg too any good? Oh, no, God, it's terrible. It's trash. <laughs> Absolutely. So trash. you did Meganheimer. I, so yeah. <laughs> The only person who did Megenheimer. I did Megenheimer, and then he had no interest in seeing Barbie, so I saw Barbie by myself, which is fine. I love going to the movies by myself. I love it. Like, let me have my little snacks and my icy and sit in my little recliner chair. So I saw Barbie by myself uh, another day, and that was during the summer, so um, I am off during most of the summer, uh, and I just went by myself. And not, not more than a week ago, in passing, he says to me, hey, we should watch the Barbie movie. And I said, babe, 
you didn't want to watch the Barbie movie. <laughs> you told me that. So I went by myself and saw it. He was like, yeah, but like we could, it's streaming now. We could watch it. So we'll see how that ends. But so I ended up doing the Meg Barbenheimer. Which. You don't want to watch it again, though? The Barbie movie part of it was good. I liked Barbie. Yeah. yeah, no, I would watch Barbie again. That's fine. Like, oh, okay. It's, it, it was a, a solid movie. I would watch Barbie again. Uh, the Meg to the Trench. I would not. Um, it made me angry several times because the science ain't science, and bro. <laughs> I don't know anything about this movie. It's about giant shark-like creatures at the bottom of the ocean. It's like uh. Jaws, but like not it's, it's it's much worse than jaws it's dollar store jaws yeah it's jaws from timu it's, it's jaws if jaws were like a direct for the sci-fi channel um the first the meg was kind of interesting and this one i guess has some of that it's interesting because it's a co-production between american and chinese production companies and so it's made for both markets and so, like, that's kind of fascinating from a, like, film nerd perspective. But the movie itself is, is hot steaming garbage. <laughs> like, is it, is it unentertained? Like, can you be entertained by it? Yes. Is it good? Absolutely not. Hmm. See, now you were making me want to see it. I, <laughs> because you know how much I love bad movies. Sadie loves a bad movie. I don't like I do not want to see a good movie because good movies are there to like make you think and feel emotions. And I don't want to be told to think or feel emotions. I already do both of those things way more than I actually want to. Um, Don't make me do that in my downtime. No, thank you. I've been going through like my like rewatching all of the James Bond movies and some of those ones where, like, during the Roger Moore era, oh, there are some steamers in there. Um, <laughs> and you go in, and you go onto the internet, like on onto the Reddit, where people are talking about James Bond movies, and they're like, you know, View to a Kill, I think, is an underrated James Bond movie. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> buddy, <laughs> I think it's appropriately rated. <laughs> So, <clears throat> did anything happen in the month of August? We talked about Brittany Dawn. I went to the Jersey Shore. Uh, that was fun. Did you GTL? I did. I did GTL at the Jersey Shore. Excellent. Um, what is that? Jim Tan, Jim Laundry. Tan Laundry. We watched Jersey Shore. We oh, watched an entire season yeah. of Jersey Shore like three years ago, Sadie. I can't believe that you don't... Um, my dude, I was pregnant at the time. Nothing stayed in my brain. I've never actually watched Jersey Shore in like any meaningful way. Like I've seen an episode or two here or there, but I was obsessed with Snooki for a hot minute because she was just like the perfect little pocket-sized disaster, and I love her so much. <laughs> I wish her well. I hope nothing but the best for Snooki. Out of all of like the Jersey Shore cast members, I think Snooki might be the best one. To me, she's the most iconic. There's Snooki, oh, yeah. and then there's um, the situation, and he's iconic for being also like a disaster, but a disaster with abs, you know. And that was that. I mean, he's he's problematic as f- like there was the scene oh, I, in, I in don't doubt. Se- yeah, 
Yeah. And there's Polly D. Polly D is less iconic than Situation, I think. And I then, agree. Um, Polly D wants to be like a, a real DJ and stuff, but I just can't. I just can't. I mean, they have Polly D on Fox News to talk about inflation. Have you seen that meme? I have not, but now I need to see it more than anything. I thought that was a joke until this minute. No, that was for real. That that was real. Do we want to move on to September? Yes, I while I process while I process that information, let's move on to September. Uh, um <laughs> sorry, I googled it. <laughs> and it is true. Okay, move on. September. <laughs> uh in, in September, we finally got a tell-all Duggar book, or a tell-most-things Duggar book, which I felt like was fine, was acceptable. Good book. Recommended um, by this podcast. I also wrote the funniest line that I will ever write um, when I wrote the line, Dollar Store Dan Savage, in <clears throat> response to Rich Jeswiak being a f***ing dick. Dude, that, that dude sucks. For real. I blame Jezebel getting shut down on him. Um, I know that's probably not the whole story, but it's my personal headcanon. I looked it up. Um, apparently, and this, like, I, like, cause, cause Jill came out with her book and then the Jezebel, Dan, the, the, the Rich Jezwiak came out with his takedown of Jill's book, which I don't know why you would write a takedown of Jill's book. Um, because you're an asshole. That seems like a really odd thing to try to write a takedown of. But then I looked him up. This dude is apparently like a hardcore Mariah Carey stan. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know any hardcore Mariah Stary- Carey stands. And no offense to people who like Mariah Carey's music because she's very talented. But her stands tend to be on the problematic side. Well, I think she's on the problematic side. Like Not, that- people, who, not people who like Mariah Carey, but like... People who love Mariah Carey. Right. Right. It's the difference between, like, I think Super Bass is a good song, but I'm not a Barb. Like, I, it's, it's that. Like, Mariah Carey's got some bops. Mariah Carey has probably the best Christmas song, you know? Well, or one of the best Christmas songs. I mean, Cher songs. released an album this year, and it's got some bangers on it. Uh, speaking of pop divas, also in September, uh, Britney Spears continued acting very much like somebody who's freshly deconstructing. Um, September was the, the Dancing with Knives video. And I would just, I would like to say on behalf of my own personal deconstruction journey, I don't like people who say mean things about Britney Spears because I think she's acting a lot like me and a lot of other people that I've known mm-hmm. who just recently got free of something or other. I I will always love Britney. She is my personal I was young enough to be, you know, right there in the pocket of her popularity as as she was starting off as a pop star. Um and I've, you know, followed her ever since and she's one of my personal idols of like I just will love you no matter what. But yeah, she's she's worrisome to me. And I only want the best for her and I want her to find whatever brings her joy and, you know, have a wonderful life. Making fun of her doesn't help anything. It's that's punching down, yeah. right? Like <clears throat> you are, you are just being gleeful at the idea that someone who has a lot of privilege at this point, like is also dealing with a lot of crap 
and she might not be the the person that the media has told us that she should be. Um, but I love Brittany, and I, you know, if she wants to be quirky and naked, that's fine. As long as no one's getting hurt, like let her live. Um, if she needs help, also give her help. You know, like the and both can be true at the same time. Sure. I feel like I almost don't even worry. I like I do. Like I see things from her occasionally that I that I kind of go, "Oh, I hope she's oh. still in therapy." Um That's what I mean. Yeah. But I don't I don't worry to the extent that a lot of people seem to performatively worry about her because to me she's pl- acting out a story that I have already seen. She like she's playing <clears throat> a part in a movie that I've seen a dozen times with all of my closest friends. Right. She's just her movies just got a lot higher budget than ours does. I think that it's interesting that we're talking about Britney Spears in like the same month that we're talking about Jill Duggar because we're talking about two people going through the deconstruction journey very publicly and Mm -hmm. anything that's potentially messy about you gets I mean, Britney, it's got to be a lot worse as far as like attention that you get than somebody like Jill Duggar, because Jill Duggar at least has people around her who are going through the same thing that she is at the same time as she is. I don't know if anybody can say that they're going through the same thing that Britney Spears is going through. Oh no, absolutely not. Because that's such a unique situation. Right. But keep Britney free. Also in, um, also in September, Lauren Boebert got groped in a theater. Oh, that was fun. Beetlejuice the musical. For all you horn dogs out there. <laughs> I do have a lot to say about it. I'm not going to say it today. I just wanted to have that, you know, on the record. I mean, my July and August and September, just like like everyone else who's a Portland sports fan, was dominated by the Damian Lillard trade request in July and like the eventual trade that happened in September. And if I have one toxic trait, it's that I'm like the world's worst like toxic sports fan. And I'm glad that I live in a city like Philadelphia where being a toxic sports fan, that sort of behavior is culturally seen as being a mark of like righteousness and good character (laughs) and being an upstanding and good citizen, as opposed to Portland where it's like kind of seen as boorish or ill-mannered. Anyway, uh, the, like the Miami Heat were primarily the team that was expecting to get a trade, uh, for, for Damian Lillard. And they, even though they didn't have anything worthwhile and, I learned just how obnoxious Miami Heat fans can be on the internet. And that was kind of like my late summer. In October, we covered the well to hell hoax, um, which was very satisfying because that was one of the original hundred topics that we wrote down when we started the podcast. So it was, it just felt extremely satisfying to get one of those off the list after over three years. Yeah, I went on like six podcasts to talk about the well to hell. That was fun. The well to hell is wild. And like your coverage of it was great. And I just, I remember hearing about it, you know, as a kid or whatever. And it just still. Yeah, like, don't we all? It's so urban legendy. Well, of course you don't. (laughs) It's, (laughs) It's so urban legendy. And like, as an adult, you look back and you go, well, yeah. You know, like, obviously, but as a kid, it is so enticing and just, oh, so, so, so real. Um, And I was obsessed with urban legends as a kid. Like, I would check out books from the library and read all kinds of urban legends, um, knowing full well that urban legends are not things that actually happened. They are 
you know, essentially modern folklore. But the well to hell is just so spicy. I just love it. And that's that's why we're friends. I feel like we were very <laughs> similar children. <laughs> Do you ever feel like like if there was a little time warp and we had been children at the same place in time, we would have been very weird little besties? Yeah, probably. Speaking of time warps, there's a time warp related thing that I kind of want to talk about next year, maybe for April Fool's Day. And it's also like a religious hoax. You just told me about this today and I'm pretty excited. Dinah, have you ever heard of the chronovisor? The what now? The cr- I'm sorry. This is the, the chrono visor. Cr- <laughs> yes. No. The only time warp I know is from Rocky Horror. <laughs> okay. So the chrono visor, and I, uh, I think we're gonna do uh, like a, a maybe like for April Fool's Day because April Fool's Day is like an episode release day. I'd love to do like an episode where we do three like religious hoaxes. Apparently there was some like Benedictine priest that came out and said the Vatican created the chronovisor, which is a piece of technology that allows you to see and hear back in time. I don't know what noise that was that just left my body, but uh... if we're going to talk about, Catholics and legends. I would also really love to dig into Padre Pio. Um, I don't know if either of you know who he was. I've heard of him, but um, I don't remember what his deal was. And I am not really calling him an ur- urban legend because I don't really know what to think of him. Uh, he was a priest who showed signs of stigmata. Mm-hmm. So he had wounds matching the crucifixion wounds of Jesus on the palms of his hands. And he was purported to be responsible for a ton of miracles, um, specifically healing was kind of his jam. And I would love to, again, not calling him a scam or a grifter or an urban legend and not also not calling him totally legit and 100% for real. I would love to dig into that and see if I can form a better opinion, a more complete opinion. You said that and you made me think, Sadie, of the St. Bartholomew video that I sent you on instagram <laughs> um so there's an account greedy.peasant and oh it's hysterical but it's a guy who like recreates the saints but as like essentially almost like drag costumes um just fantastic <laughs> um but he's got a whole thing about uh, he's doing this weird like a uh, saint snaps a series where he like puts snaps on his costume so he can easily attach tassels and things. And he's got a whole thing about how to like, okay, you're going to start out with the stigmata looking like this. So you're going to snap on the tassel on the bottom and the button on the top. Oh my God. It's the funniest thing. And I keep like, he keeps coming up on my feed and I'm just like, I adore you. I just watched, he did a, um, um, like a, a nativity scene on the top of a beret and it was like Mary and Joseph and then all of the, the weird ass characters that he's created for himself and he was snapping them all on the top of the beret and then he added landscaping um, fabulous fabulous stuff um, so, I mean what is weirder than medieval saints <laughs> medieval saints as like gay icons though and it is so yeah. funny that is extremely niche. The same that is so. That is um, he calls it. it his, it's like, niche, um, and that niche is me. Right. Same. 
he calls it his um, medieval, his queer medieval fever dream. And I, I, I just think it's adorable. That is art. It is art. He's great. Yeah. Or they're great. I don't know the pronouns. So in November, uh, Let Us Pray came out mm. and rocked our world. Yes. And we can't even get into it, but we are going to talk a lot more in the new year about topics related to the documentary. Yeah. I mean, it came out like four weeks ago. Uh, not like four weeks ago. To, like, four, yeah. yeah. Wow. Four, four, maybe five. It's, it's, we're recording this on the 27th and it came out on the 24th, 25th, something like 25th that. 25th and 26th, I think, of November. Yeah. So about 30 days, 29, 30, 31 days, whatever, about a month ago. And like it, I don't know. It just feels like overnight, everything about the IF is it's, it's like changed. Hmm. It, it it like it feels like the conversations that people are having are different now. Do yeah. you get that sense? Yeah. Too? And I want to be involved in some of those conversations in the new year. Yeah. But first, I want to talk about December of 2023 because. Do you want do you want to tell people what happened in the beginning of December of 2023? Do you mean Greg Locke losing a debate to a flat earther? Yep. I am still so not over this. He took a position that is defendable by science and also a position that is easily defendable by scripture on his own home turf. And he still lost the debate so badly that he had to throw physically throw the other guy. Felt that he had to physically throw the other guy out of the building. That's impressive. Like last episode, Sadie told me about this. Dinah, did you see this I video? I did not. I'm I'm like absorbing this as you're saying it because it sounds hysterical. Sadie told me about this video. I'll send it to you. Sadie told me about this debate, and I decided against my better judgment to watch it. And it was like, it, it was just the most petty Michigas that I've ever, mm. or at least that I've witnessed in a long time. Like, you know how whenever you watch like a debate between two like men who are like intellectuals or whatever, um, or who fashion themselves right, to be intellectuals, to be. It, it, it always comes out to being the most just like petty, ticky tacky bullshit that they try to use they're right. just like well you used an ad hominem attack against me on december 4th uh, you said like it's just like complaining about how mean and unchristian like the other is being and then accusing them is like you called me unbiblical uh, that's uh, a insult that i do not take lightly it's just the most like i never accused anyone of being unbiblical i said that if you think like oh so we're in debate one, and we just learned some new vocabulary. Like, yeah. uh, uh, uh. I mean, it was like Real Housewives esque, except nobody was drunk or on a Xanax. It's, I may need to actually watch this thing. Like, I'm, did you did you not watch it? I have oh, not. I I've seen like thing. a five minute clip. Like, I'm curious, but also not sure. I want to invest. It's upsetting. I'll watch it and let you know. Okay. It's truly upsetting. I'll keep a little <laughs> notebook with, I'll put a check mark every time I think this is something that Dinah would be interested in. Oh, okay. And then if I have, I'll divide the number of minutes of the debate <laughs> by five, three, I don't know. And if I have more than that many check marks, I'll tell you to watch it. 
I mean, if you just watch like the last five minutes of How it, how long is this? the last five minutes are worth watching? I care. It's it's not short. Like, are we talking like sitcom episode, or are we talking like? Oh, Answers in Genesis has flat Earth debate of the century. Um, the evening of December. The way I hate saying, everything you just said in one <laughs> sentence is like astounding. <laughs> Their article says the evening of Saturday, December second, two thousand twenty-three. Two pastors debated whether the Earth is flat. Since I have been studying the flat Earth movement for more than seven years, this debate was of interest to me. I heard about the debate in late October, and I began to make plans to be there. Wow, Answers in Genesis was there for sure. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> this makes me hope the earth is flat so that I can find the edge and just right off of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god. Okay, there okay, Sorry, this is dark. I'm not, I'm not in a bad place, just like disclaimer. <laughs> the an- the answers in Genesis article about it is um okay, I, I skipped all the way down to their conclusion. This is like a 10,000 word answers in Genesis uh, write up of it. Conclusion Was this a debate? Hardly. The question to be debated was not clearly defined, nor were the rules of the debate or a debate moderator. I've seen one flat earther comment on social media that he has seen Locke do debates in his church and that he had rules and a moderator. Like, it just seems like it was pure chaos. Like, why would you agree to do this? Who have who has been benefited by this content existing now? <laughs> this is like this is like a dick measuring contest at a micro penis convention. Like nobody wants this content. <laughs> this is terrible. I mean, no and we're against body shaming on this podcast. We are, uh, but also like the the absurdity is is that level. I mean, I this really feels like two guys had Twitter beef and they decided to take it IRL. And that's they how even this like feels to me. Boxing each other or anything like that could have been interesting. You know when yeah. you know dumb celebrities decide that they want to box each other for some reason. That's entertaining ish. I don't watch, but like I look at pictures later on and see if they got hit in the face good. That would be more entertaining. I mean, they should bring back celebrity yeah. deathmatch. You remember that? Oh God, yes. It was like I, I'm trying to decide whether it's better or worse than because a couple weeks back, and I posted, I, I did a video of this, and I put this video on Instagram. There's like a, a, in Philadelphia, the subway station that's by my house is the subway station on Eighth and Market Street. In like center city and at the subway state it's underground at but like at the stairs that go down into the station there's always this dude out there with a megaphone that's like a street preacher and one time i was walking to the grocery store and like across the street from the guy that with the megaphone the street preacher with the megaphone there was another street preacher yelling at that the first guy because he disagreed with him and i was like this is too much this is i'm into it because they'll they'll tire themselves it's like we have two dogs and like if they play and tire themselves out then i don't have to like do so much work to engage with them and and wear them out before bedtime to me it's a similar concept It, it it wasn't even like a argument that they were having that anybody who wasn't like very christian would understand what on earth they were talking about they were just like is repentance and atonement are they part of the same like thing or i'm like is repentance necessary for atonement to take place if two guys are yelling at each other on the street it's probably about repentance or lordship (laughs) salvation did you hear the word lordship salvation 
I don't know. I did. I sent you the video of this, right? I don't think so. I think so. I sent you the, <clears throat> I'll send it to you. It's, it sounds very much like the questions that one of my students loves to have like for me after school or like between classes and things where he just likes to wander up and be like, so, uh, do you think that repentance is required for salvation or do you think it's just faith in Jesus? And I'm like, bro, I've got a grade stuff and, but I will sit and have like, wait, which way did you come up in church? Was it repentance or no? Repentance. Yes. Ooh, because I was raised repentance. No, you have to acknowledge that you're a sinner. Does acknowledging you're a sinner count as repentance? That's the question. That is the question. One of many questions. Right. But yes, I, yeah. (laughs) Repentance, yes. I can't. I was was raised, repentance is you repent of not being saved and change your mind in order to be saved. Oh, no. You don't actually have to repent of your sins. No, you have to. You just have to repent of not being saved, which is. No, that was, that's not, no, 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 no. But, um, there's, there's a, there's a verse from Paul that includes repentance as part of the formula for salvation, which is where that all came from. Well, look at us talking about religion on a religion podcast. (laughs) I know. We got to finish December. (laughs) We got to finish up December so we can take another break. Um, also, in December, we passed 1 million downloads with our new podcast distributor, Hell which yeah. when we joined that, descript- that distributor in January. So it is some- somewhere over, slightly over a million downloads this year, which is awesome. Thank you so much to every person who was one of those. That's fantastic. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. We couldn't have done it without you. Of course, um, also in de- <laughs> also in December, April Avila and other survivors of the IFB and First Baptist of Hammond led a successful protest at First Baptist Church of Hammond. So shout out and congratulations to that group. There were hundreds of people there, too. There's at yes. least 100 people there. I believe the uh, April has said we know it was over 100. We think it was over 150-ish. I wouldn't be surprised at all, but because we we watched the live stream, April had a live stream going. Eric Skorzynski had a live stream going for a minute, and apparently, all of the First Baptist Church people kind of like left out the back. Yeah, they sent them out the back of the church, which is I saw it happening in real time and thought, oh, they're all going out the back. Yeah, and I was I was correct. Um, I am sincerely hoping that I'll be able to be in Hammond for the next one. We'll keep you posted. We do actually think that there is going to be a next one. And we... Yes. Are we able to talk about when that is going to be? Or is that something that we can't talk about yet? I don't think so yet. But I would... I think saying in the spring is fine. And I'm going to do anything and everything I can to be there. Could you ask for them to have it line up with my spring break? Because that would be convenient. I want to let the people who are leading the charge lead the charge. Yeah. So when they announce that we can, um, then then we can announce. But like we know when it's going to be, and we're planning on being there. If you're listening to this and you want to come as well, then it would also be nice if we could possibly do like some deconstruction meetup thing 
to have happen in real life with like us and other people and like also maybe some listeners as well like a craft hour craft hour yeah or uh um Something like that. I don't know. It would be nice to have as many people. (laughs) I don't know. What are we going to do? We're going to be knitting. We're going to be painting. We're going to be making uh, clay. Popsicle sticks like um, vacation Bible school style. Ooh, that sounds fun. Um, We can, Sadie can teach a class on how to do flannel graph. I sure can. (laughs) (laughs) That'll trigger a lot of folks. (laughs) What I want to do, and I texted this to Sadie last night, and she's like, uh, and I also sent this to Eric Skorzynski, and he hasn't gotten back to me, I, but I... He never answers messages. That's true. He's bad at answering messages. Um, how would you feel if we did, like, uh, uh, got, like, all the deconstruction people to that, that come to this and did, like, a Hot Ones challenge? <laughs> Just, like, made everyone eat, prog- like, answer questions and eat progressively hotter and hotter hot sauce? That would be fun. Yeah. That would take some orchestration, but that would be fun. And the final thing that I want to talk about that happened in December, and this is one that like blows our minds, that like destroys my brain, is that we got Sadie got mentioned by name and Leaving Eden Podcast got mentioned by name on Ono, oh Ross and Carrie. Yes. I feverishly yeah, um, texted you guys. I was like, oh my God. And what? then I just died. I completely died. Ono, Ross, and Carrie was one of the first podcasts that I got into. It was, along with Stuff You Should Know, one of the two shows that really got me interested in podcasting as a medium. And they were a huge, huge part of my deconstruction journey. Also, Ross is one of the coolest people on earth to me because he can recite a lot of digits of pi. I think he got over a thousand digits of pi. So when you put all of those three things together, I was I was so blown away by this. Um, I can't even make words for how much that means to me. Also, I think that like when we were first starting our show and we were like, well, what kind of podcast do we want to do? I think you were like, go listen to the Scientology series from Ono, Ross and Carrie. Mm. They're yeah. solid, man. They are a solid duo. I go back and listen to that series of episodes probably like once every year, maybe, because it's really good. It's very interesting. The Scientology series is truly my favorite. Um, the time they converted to Mormonism was also pretty cool, though. You know what? You might have asked. You might have told me to go listen to that one as well, because you were trying to be like, OK, this is the kind of vibe that I want to go for for the for the show that like back in like 2020. And I listen to it. And I'm like, okay, I, I get, I get what you're saying. No, for Sadie, it's like if Taylor Swift, if you're a musician and Taylor Swift covers one of your songs, that's like what that yeah. is for her. Yeah, that was that was huge, and I feel like I'm still processing. Oh, it's like it's should very I email weird. them? I what do I say? Absolutely, you should email them. Hey, it's me. You talked about me. We're best friends now. I am excited to know that that I've shown up on your radar and if you'd ever like to to talk i'm happy to do so like something like that i don't i don't want ross to know who i am i feel like i have not had enough time to build my skills to be worthy of being noticed okay ross but, like no ross mentioned you by name ross know, said I really i've been listening to the leaving eden podcast and sadie carpenter on the i'm, I'm just like what the f- Okay, you feel that way, Sadie, but Ross is also just a person like you're just a person. And I mean, for for a good while, 
for me, you were like the person that comes through my AirPods and and talks about stuff that I can relate to. And now, oh, like, yeah, now we're besties. Now we're besties. And so, like, I don't expect that you and Ross will become besties, but like, I can't be besties with Ross until I at least get to a hundred digits of pi. And right now, I only know eleven. <laughs> <laughs> well, you only need like 11 to calculate a circle the size of the universe, right? I use I go to five digits of pi when I'm baking. Like when I'm uh, trying to make a cake or a pie even, I use 3.14159. What? That's Yeah, no, that's what I was trying to think that's about as far as I can go in pi. 3.14159265. Uh, hmm. Well, clearly I won't be best friends with Ross either. Ross, Carrie, if either of you or both of you want to come on our show for any reason whatsoever. Um, I just want to make a spreadsheet of something and send it to Carrie. <laughs> like, I want to make a spreadsheet of something <laughs> random and send it to to Carrie because I feel like that's her love language. Oh, I feel like sweet. you and Carrie would get along because you appreciate the same qualities in dogs. That's so specific. That is specific, but like there's a cuddling. <laughs> I've been listening to these people for literally like 10 years. Yeah. Sadie, what, what were we saying about parasocial relationships? <laughs> and keeping This parasocial boundaries? relationship is too close to becoming social, and I've already hit my limit on those for the year. We've got to go take a, take a break. And when we get back, when we get back, we're going to talk about Festivus and some predictions for 2024. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. We are back from our break. Uh, We've gone through our year in review. Um, Now, I think we have some predictions for... 2024. Do you want to take it away, Sadie? Well, before we do predictions, we were going to do a Festivus airing of grievances. Oh, God, we are, aren't we? Yeah, do you want to do this kind of round robin style? Because I, I have one. I can start. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. My my grievance in a way that Gavi has personally disappointed me is that mm. your girlfriend lives on the other side of the country, and I cannot 
like become her friend. It's very upsetting to me. Oh, well, that's a grievance, but it's also like a sweet thing. Yeah, what a nice yeah. grievance. What a nice grievance. I- I'll tell we her you said lot- that. We have a lot in common. She's the kind of weird person that I'm really seeking out to be friends with. Oh, I'll tell her that. She'll appreciate that. She just got back from uh, Kansas City this morning, like very early this morning. So it's just, it's hard to give her homemade jam and stuff when she lives on the other side of the country. So that's, that's my first grievance. <laughs> my grievance is that I was introduced to the song, The Christmas Shoes and the song Butterfly Kisses. Oh. I'm not responsible <laughs> oh, no. for either one of those. <laughs> I Neither am I. Butterfly Kisses, actually, that came from Jen from Fundy Fridays. Jen introduced me I was going to gonna say, I think that was Jen. <laughs> <laughs> that was Jen from Fundy Fridays. No, uh, Christmas Shoes, I do have my girlfriend to thank for that one. Um, because she, to- she told me a story about how she uh, went to karaoke one time. And it was just like a bump and it was a good time, good atmosphere. People were having a good time. And somebody got up there and sang the Christmas Shoes. And it was such a it was simultaneously such a vibe killer but also just one of those songs where like if somebody does the christmas shoes at karaoke that's i like i i almost it's almost like a ron burgundy i'm not even mad i'm impressed Mm -hmm. yeah so here this is why i get really really insecure and panicky at karaoke because i'm really concerned that as somebody who is not exposed to pop music for most of my life I will miss something and accidentally sing a song that's a huge bummer to everybody without knowing. I mean, but isn't that life? Like, you're going to do something that someone's not going to like, and that's yeah, really more on but them when you were ra- Yeah, but when you were raised AFAB as a fundamentalist, that's like the worst yeah. thing you can possibly do. I mean, if you just, like, avoid any of the songs that you learned when you were a fundamentalist, then you should be good. Unless you want to sing them ironically, which also might work. Like, if you uh, yeah, did... Yeah, I don't think they generally Ooh. have, like, Shall We Gather at the River or To God Be the Glory in karaoke machines. How about, what if you got up there for karaoke and you're like, I got the joy, 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 joy <laughs> down in my heart. Where? Down in would... my heart. Where? Down <laughs> that's how you find everybody else at karaoke with religious trauma i guess (laughs) dinah do you have any grievances um one grievance that has occurred to me is that this year we only had one foldable chair brawl that was national news and i think we should really have more of those (laughs) oh my god i I forgot about that that was such a good one Oh, the steamboat great. brawl oh my god that was incredible i remember that like i will take more of those any day of the week i remember when the, i was just i was glued to the internet reading everything that i could read about the <laughs> alabama steamboat brawl mm. chef's incredible kiss. no no that was no when when the one dude like ran up like when he had like the folding chair mm-hmm. and there was the he just like ran up and like I mean, it was like a WWE move and just like f***ing clocked the guy. That was incredible. Amazing. The, the, the guy that jumps off the other boat and like swims over <laughs> because he's like, oh, hell no, I'm not missing this. <laughs> I just need more. I need more. Like, you know, could we plan one a quarter? Um, you know, th- that's all I'm asking. And, and make it 
the bad guys getting the folding chair to the face. That's the, that's the requirement. How just think though, like before the internet, before like YouTube, before TikTok, how often were there like chair brawls that just took place on a regular basis and that just no one knew about it? I mean, if, if a tree falls in the woods, right? Like exactly. What a disappointment though. There's so much content we have missed because there was no TikTok. I mean, like, that's, and, see, that's another grievance. That's a good one. And it's just one of those things where you see somebody just trying to like be a jerk, be, just like, I mean, it, it, the the guys that had their chair, their uh, their boat or their pontoon or whatever parked in the wrong spot and got told to leave. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we've all been, you know, I mean, those people are just like, you know, it's like when somebody with a giant truck parks in across like two handicap spaces. And not in this little garage. <laughs> hey, Bobby. Accessible spaces. Accessible spaces. Oh, that, uh, is that the... Um... Yep. Updating you. Oh, good times. That's the first time I've heard that one. Thank you, Sadie. Um, You're welcome. Yeah. Or like if they parking, like the the thing that they'll do is they'll be like, oh, I have a big truck. I'm going to park in the EV charging spaces. Let's see if you can do anything <laughs> about it. Like just... That's Get not such a yourself, problem buddy. here because we don't really have EV charging spaces. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to ask me about how my vacation went in September when the car that we rented was a Tesla in Alabama. Oh, you rented a Tesla? I didn't know about not on, that. Not on purpose. Jonathan just rented a car and at the rental desk, they were like, do you want a Tesla? And he was like, sure, I guess. Does it drive? Um, but then... <laughs> We very nearly ran out of batteries. Fortunately, Bucky's had a supercharger. Out of curiosity, how did you find the Tesla? Did you like it? Did you dislike it? I did not it? drive it. The whole thing where it has to roll down the windows to open the door really weirded me out. Oh yeah, because they have frameless doors. Like it was nice. It was a lot of thing. A lot of it, it felt really nice. I enjoyed the much decreased engine noise because I'm a person who can get overwhelmed by noise. And the the interior was nice. It handled nicely, as far as I could tell, from not being the driver. The that really freaked me out. And in my mind, that's just another thing that can break. It's, it's just the whole thing where the windows have to roll down in order to open the door. That's just one more thing that can go wrong. And it would never be worth it to me, like for the aesthetic, to add a completely additional system to a to a car that can go bad. Right, but also, does it not rain? Like, that seems like a terrible design choice. What's going on is that basically what they've done is they've made a car where, you know how, like, on the door of most cars, they'll have, like, the the window, and then there will be, like, a piece of, like, plastic or insulation that will go over the top of the window, and that's the thing that will connect to the body of the door when the door closes, Mm-hmm. They basically have frameless windows on the car door as like a design choice because it looks nice. But the problem with that is that... So when you grab the handle to open the door, the window automatically rolls down like half an inch so oh, that it okay, can disconnect. Okay. It's gotcha. automatic and that's what I hate about it because relying on electronics and automation for the doors of your car to open like that's i have worked at a car dealership and i've seen how many times the button to roll down your window breaks like that's something i got calls about 
all the time when I was scheduling for the service department. So that it bothers me because, oh, let's add this system that already breaks a lot already. (laughs) Let's add additional complications to it. I'm kind of with you there. Um, I think it's, it, it is a little bit of a gimmick. It's one of those things that, because I watch a lot of YouTube videos about cars that like car YouTubers will be like, Ooh, it does the thing with the door is so fancy. But like, if me, I'm just a guy buying a car or driving a car or whatever. I'm like, this, this does nothing for me. Does it have Apple CarPlay? Like, yeah, to me, yeah, like the yeah. thought of this is going to break is far outweighs the, it looks kind of cool. I don't care how cool it looks if it's going to be a $500 repair bill one day. That reminds me of like other features that have existed and gone away. Like back in the nineties, the, like you would get in the car and the seatbelt would like go on you automatically and like zip across the ceiling and, or, or not across the ceiling, but it would zip across automatically. And I always thought I can do that myself. Like I don't like, there's some things that don't need to be more complex than they already are. And a seatbelt is one of those. Oh, Dinah, you know why that was? What? Um, it was it was because there was a safety regulation where they they either they said that you either had to have seatbelts that did that, or you had to install driver and passenger side airbags. So, oh. like, the driver would have an airbag in the steering wheel, and the pa- I think that was it. There was some like. It was basically like, well, it's cheaper to put this system in our cars than to do whatever the alternative that's more oh, expensive is. How interesting. Don't get um, me started about airbags. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you had to do the, the Takata airbag recalls. I was the person responsible for calling like 150,000 Subaru owners. That's not a made up number. That is an approximation of the actual number. And <laughs> telling them... Your car is a death trap, but don't worry, we'll fix it for free. Right, because it was every airbag in every car for like 20 years or something was made by this company called Takata, and mm-hmm. they found out, oh, these airbags might explode and kill you, or they might have like weird shrapnel in them that might kill you if the airbag goes off or something. And it was right. every car made by every manufacturer for like 15 or 20 years. It was So nutty. if you're Gross. the manufacturer... You are legally obligated to call every single person, try everything you can to get in contact with every single person and inform them your car might kill you. You need to book an appointment to have this fixed. We'll do it for free, but also we're booked like three months out. And also, um, we're going to have your car in the shop for like three weeks because we are ridiculously overbooked. Uh, but don't just blow me off and not do it because your car might kill you and say all of that in very corporate friendly uh-huh. language that does not make the company look bad. Fully screwed. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, the closest yeah, thing I can think that of. That job sucked. <laughs> yeah. Um, when I, I was working for Apple when, well, Apple Maps launched and was a debacle. Um, and so I was like one of the many, many people that had to like process the complaints and the corrections that were coming in and like put that into whatever the database was. And that's been so long ago. I don't remember the full details, but I remember just reading complaint, 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 complaint. And it was just like, Oh my God, you guys, (laughs) like I get it, but I'm sorry. It wasn't me. Um, And I also was there when 
the U2 album was pushed out to every iPhone. That was, oh fun. God, <laughs> that was fun. Um, so, it's still on my phone. I can't, do you know how to get it off? Yeah. You just go into music and then you just like delete. Oh, okay. You delete songs yeah. You it. should be able to just delete it now. Like they've updated the OS so that you can do that. But yeah. Oh, okay. Cause it's I tried to delete album. it at the time. It's not I a listen bad to that album. It's perfectly fine. I refuse fine. to listen to it because you cannot put music on my phone and force me to listen to it. You can't make me. <laughs> well, I also got complaints because um, like little old ladies thought that it was pushing homosexuality because the cover image was like shirtless men like touching each oh, other dear. not sexually at all and they were like this is pornography and i was like i oh, thought you two was hella christian though <laughs> yeah they are uh, bono is is notably outspokenly christian yeah my parents uh were in grad school in the 80s and so they like just culturally missed the 1980s like mm. i remember grad school will do that to you <laughs> yeah they like my parents were both born in the 1950s and then you know and in and they're so of that generation and then they were in grad school and met my mom was in grad school for geology and my dad was in medical school in the 1980s and he was doing his residency i remember when prince died in mm-hmm. 2016 and i was talking to my dad about it and he i'm and he's like you know i don't think i could name even a single prince song have i ever heard a prince song and i'm like dad you were alive during the 1980s and you've never heard a Prince song. And so I'm like, okay, here's like, I, I, I got out like this, the, the purple rain, which has like, let's go crazy. It's got purple rain. It's got like when doves cry, all these iconic songs. And I put them on. He's like, okay, I don't think this is really for me, but like the two albums from the 1980s that my parents listened to were joshua tree by u2 and brothers in arms by dire straits that's like the extent of the pop culture knowledge that they had in the 1980s i mean the joshua tree album is a banger great out where the streets have no name um, with or without you good fantastic songs all over that album oh and the other albums they listened to a lot of talking heads as well so that would have been popular in the 80s as Mm -hmm. well but like like prince michael jackson no the only thing that about michael jackson that my dad knew was that he's like oh he did that song with um the girl is mine with paul mccartney and i thought that was really schlocky and i'm like that's the michael jackson song that you know is like the girl is mine with paul mccartney is like yeah i knew it because i heard that paul mccartney had a new song with this kid michael jackson (laughs) i thought it was terrible and i'm like oh so he knows about kanye Do you know the meme that's like the Arnold hand and somebody else's hand, like clasping hands meme? The epic handshake meme. Um, It's like your parents, my parents, and then in the middle, uh, not knowing music from the 80s, but for totally different reasons. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, no, the thing is, I think they actually did know about Thriller because that was so big that, like, you couldn't miss it. I mean, it's like they're aware of Taylor Swift now, and I don't think that they could name any Taylor Swift songs, but my mom will be like, oh, I heard a story about Taylor Swift on NPR this morning. And I'm like, yeah, they're talking about Taylor Swift on NPR. Like, so they're like kind of aware of what's going on, but they don't know any of the songs, even though I think if they listen to Taylor Swift, they might like her music because she's got good songs. 
Um, I can kind of relate to that whole like hole in your pop culture knowledge um, in a much smaller way. But the year that I was uh, in China, I really didn't get any pop culture from the U.S. coming through. Um, and now this was also very early on with social media and you know all that kind of stuff. Um, what year was this? This would have been 2007, 2008. And so like I came back and Miley Cyrus had happened. <laughs> like suddenly there's, you know, this new person that everyone's because she was so controversial when she uh, sort of sprang up on the scene. I want to say Taylor Swift had also kind of broken through uh, into a more mainstream audience around then but i just i remember coming back and being like who the heck is this and why does anyone care um it was very strange and you don't realize how much happens within even just a year um because the the conversation is constant so if you're immersed in graduate school for for three years or whatever um Mm -hmm. you come back out and everything is different Everyone has these cultural references you don't understand anymore. So that's my very small way to relate to that. Speaking of like what happens in a year, I have a proposal for the next year for the two of you. Uh, Oh, okay. Let's start another Google Doc and write our year in review for next year as it happens. This is... Mm. is I mean, Dinah, I hope you still like us a year from now. <laughs> I, <laughs> I hope you still like me a year from now. We're going to oh, hate I, each other. You, it's going to be like the um, the falling out of who's fighting now? Who's been fighting? Uh, Hollow Notes have been fighting. Um, I was going to say the Abbott and Costello of deconstructed deconstruction podcasting. <laughs> Secretly hate each other. Secretly yeah. hate each other. Although I heard that Siegfried and Roy didn't get along through parts of their career either. Wait, I thought they were... Mick and Keith. I thought they were a couple. Yeah, parts of it. I thought I thought they had... I might be thinking of somebody else. We could be ABBA. They all... Aww. Did they all hate each other? They didn't hate each other, but they were two couples, and then some. they kind of got divorced from each other and split up, and the band broke up, and that's kind of to do with that. Um, kind of Fleetwood Mackie. Fleet, oh, yeah, but like they actually like hated each other and abused each other and stuff, so... Yeah. Um, Lindsay Buckingham seems like not an excellent guy. Well, we should not do that, but we should <laughs> do a Google Doc. And when those like 15 minute pop culture things happen, we should put them in the doc. Mm. And like, then we'll have something to look back on. Like if this had been like the the gold dress, blue dress. Oh. Thing, mm-hmm. We could talk about things like that. I looked at like some year in review lists and they're like things that happened this year. And most of the things I'm like, okay, I know, I know, I know, I know that one. And I listen to a lot of music and I try to stay like up with like what the new music is. Cause I'm 30. I'm not that old, but sometimes like there'll be a new artist that comes out that gets really popular. And I'm just like, this is not for me. Like who's the new one. You know who perfect example of this. I like hip hop music. I like rap music. I listened to somebody like I heard, oh, the new rapper that's out is this uh, young woman uh, goes by the name of Sexy Red. I listened to her music. I'm like, this is not for me. I, I, I don't get it. I don't I, I, I don't see it. That's fine. It's just it's not my thing. I don't think I've heard her music. You, you might like it. You're not a huge hip hop fan, though, so you probably wouldn't like it. 
I don't think I've heard her music either, but I have had that experience. Um, and this this is going to be controversial. But um, years ago, a Beyonce album came out, and I, I can't remember which album it was. And I first heard it, and I was listening to it, and I was like, I don't really like this. And my roommate at the time, who was a huge Beyonce fan and just like lapped up everything that she did, was like, well, honey, she didn't write it for you. <laughs> She's like, you're not the target audience here. So it's it really makes no difference whether you as a at that time I was, you know, a white gay dude in my 20s, like that album was not written with me as the the target. If I liked it, cool. But like it was for a whole different demographic. Like I said, if I liked it, cool. But Beyonce was not losing sleep over whether or not I liked it. <laughs> no. I was going to say that that was the um, effects of the attempted gay exorcism. Like they just got that one little bit. Oh. That would have loved that Beyonce album. But you went way deeper than that. <laughs> <laughs> they exercise the beehive out of you. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I, there's a lot of Beyonce music I do love. Please don't cancel me. But at that <laughs> moment with that album, and I think it was um, an album where she had, you know, pivoted into a different style that I hadn't heard much of before. Do you remember what year this was? <sighs> no. Like 20. Lord. 2015-ish? That's a ballpark. I don't remember. Okay, so it probably would have been her self-titled album, or it would have been Lemonade. It was probably Lemonade, because I feel like she pivoted pretty hard when she did Lemonade. And I've come around to appreciating it a lot more, as I have heard more music in that style. And, like, yeah, I've grown, and she's grown, and we weren't synced up. And so I was just like, I don't like this. Now, I like, there are parts of it that I really do enjoy. So, you know, sometimes it's just not right for you. And sometimes that's okay. Yeah. And at the same time, do I want to be the dude who's in my 30s who's like, yeah, I'm bumping sexy red today? Like, that's um, probably not. I mean, it, it does feel like I, I'm at that point in my life where I'm just like, you know what? There's artists that are my age that are going through the things that I'm going through in my life whose music, maybe because they're the same age as I am and they're, you know, the same general point in their life as I am, that maybe their music will be more applicable to me. And it's not a issue that maybe the music for the kids isn't really for me anymore because I'm not uh, really yeah. doing... Like you know? the reason, like the reason that I wish Olivia Rodrigo was like, had come out 10 years earlier... Olivia Rodrigo's got bops though. I will I will um Driver's License, oh, yeah. that's a good song. For sure. Yeah. I just I, I wish I had had her music when I was at the perfect age to enjoy her music. And I am kind of sad for you that you had to miss out on like that your teen pop era <laughs> was like, oh, I'm listening to HAC tour tapes. Although yeah. that was back when HAC tour group members could sing hey yo. Whoa. They don't just like auto-tune and melodyne shit out of them. No, when we listen they to the HAC... They don't believe in auto-tune. They just sound awful. Have you heard them recently? Dang. I haven't heard them recently. They no, can't you... attract they can't attract talent anymore. The college oh, like, cannot attract that makes kids sense. that can really sing anymore. Seriously, listen to, to what they put out now compared to what they put out I was going to say five years ago. I am a lot older than that. Ten years ago when it was my friends on tour. 
and then listen to compared to 15 years ago when I was a teenager and listening to their tapes. And it it's a stark difference. I want to say almost three years ago, we did our HAC tour tapes episode where I listened to the HAC tour tapes. There was absolutely they were using auto tune and or Melodyne on their yeah so the the tapes that you heard in that episode were a pretty good mix of the stuff i was listening to as a teenager and then a little bit of later stuff that would have come out in 2011 2012 2013 when it was my friends on tour and frenemies Mm -hmm. so i have i have one final grievance if that's all right for it um my grievance is that we are in an election year and i'm going to have to see election commercials and i hate election commercials Oh my god. Like like um I you know voting is is cool and democracy is cool but I seriously hate election commercials so much. Oh and I'm in uh I'm in Pennsylvania so I'm going to be getting them Oh yeah. Swing state baby, let's go. <laughs> I hate I hate them. They're just so ugly and nasty and call people names and use scare tactics uh <laughs> yeah i don't i just don't need more of he who shall not be named on you any screen too. ahead of in front of me um and uh, i mean i'm living in a state with uh, a deplorable governor and yet like my worry is more on the national just because i don't want all of that being crammed down my throat I don't have great uh, optimism for this next election cycle, um, <clears throat> but you know, maybe, maybe we'll see. But yeah, that uh, the election campaigning is always just painful to witness. I yeah, I hate it. I hate the commercials. I don't mind watching the debates sometimes. Um, oh God, I can't stand it. I can watch the first debate of any given thing. The first. Republican primary debate or the first Democratic primary debate. I cannot stomach the fourth primary debate. Yeah. Or the first, when when we get down to two candidates, I can watch the first debate fine. By the time we get to, like, if they do, like, three of them and a town hall and, 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 I, I can't. I hate the town hall. It's just content. Yeah, they always have like the dumbest like people asking the dumbest questions. Well, and it's like very obviously plants, right? Like everyone's there because they want them to ask this question for this candidate to answer this way. Like there's not a part of me that thinks that those are just, you know, people that signed up, random people. Like those people are there right. on purpose. And so it's disingenuous to have these nationally televised town halls. Like who's town? <laughs> that's not my town yeah yeah, uh. yeah. so <laughs> i like like you know again voting is important and cool and please do that and today is always a good day to make sure that you're registered to vote um mm-hmm. please do that please vote but i hate the like the new the media around it and the debates and the commercials and you know did you did you people know that in canada you're only allowed to campaign a certain amount of time before the election. I believe it's three months previous to the election. You can start campaigning. Yeah. It's a very short period. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be nice? 
Yeah, but we have the First Amendment, so you can't uh, tell people yeah. when they can and can't campaign. But the election is... Mm. Yeah, the election is heavily regulated, though. Like, there are a lot of things they can and can't do within yeah. um, elections. I think that's more like financial regulations on how your campaign can and can't spend money or how it can and can't collect yeah. money. But, like, if somebody wants to put an ad Santos on... you could just be George Santos and just ignore all those regulations. <laughs> George Santos. Just do so whatever. Funny. Just get Botox with them. It's fine. Okay. I loved the George Santos saga. It tickled me every time because he was just not even clever, not even like thoughtful. He was just in it to win it. And now he's doing cameos for money. I love it. I mean, I don't think he's a real person. I think George Santos is an assumed name. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They never found like background on this actual person. His real name was like Anthony something something. It wasn't. I'm waiting. So I listen, I listen to this podcast that is a fellow, and I think they're a fellow independent podcast like us, but the podcast is called Pretend and the host is Javier Leja. Leja? Leja? And I am just waiting. He, so he does, Javier does super deep dives into scammers fraudsters and pretenders and he will do like an entire 9 10 12 episode season on one person who did one scam it the the deep dive level is incredible and i'm just waiting so he covered george santos a little bit on his other podcast the ponzi playbook and i am just waiting for him to do a full season on pretend it is going to be i i know he's going to do it and it's going to be so good Oh it's my been God. so entertaining though like all of the stuff about him where he's like oh it was this dude a drag queen in brazil was this dude like uh <laughs> actually no he's not a descendant of holocaust survivors who knows who this guy is like that was his whole thing he said he was that, yeah, like, well, ish yeah i mean a lot of people say that they're jewish like that's a thing that i've heard people say but it's it's just but so strange like no like he said i'm a descendant of holocaust survivors and his district is like in new york and so they're like oh okay a lot of jews live in his district so he's gonna pretend to be a descendant of holocaust survivors to get their votes it was such a like that's such like it's it's not like this the same as like stolen valor when people pretend that they were in the military but they weren't in the military but to me it's like on that level I googled George Santos alias just now, and Google said, basically, did you mean George Santos lies? And I think that's the funniest, like, autocorrect Google thing that I've seen in a long time. I, I would love for 2024 to be the year that we get a bunch of information about what the heck happened there. I'm at the I'm at the point where. Um, I feel the national embarrassment of America is so high that I don't really feel embarrassed about this. Like, should I? Yes. Do I? I'm too tired. I'm too tired of like the things that we have done on the world stage that have been so much worse than electing a guy to Congress that we don't know who he is. I don't care. I'm too tired to even be embarrassed about my grammar in that last sentence, much less George Santos. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So at this point, I just want the whole, I want the whole story to come out because it's going to be so entertaining and it's going to be the lightest part of political news in 2024. And goodness knows we need it. Do you guys want to move on? 
Yeah. Do we have any more grievances or should we move on and do some predictions? Relatively speaking, I don't have that much to complain about. So I'm yeah, all right. I don't think I have much to complain about. Um, I think the, well, a small grievance is that we talked about all the memoirs that came out this year. We neglected Britney's, I think, The Woman oh, yeah. and Me. And so I, I just want to give that a shout that that happened this year. Um, but that's Did like, you read it? I have not read it yet. Um, there is a podcast that is like doing a deep dive, like chapter by chapter. And so I need to read it so that I can listen along oh, to that. Yeah. Um, Which but I'm very interested it? about that. Do I? I was interested in reading Brittany's book. I was interested in reading Spare and I was interested in reading Page Boy. But I just I hit my celebrity memoir cap this year because I read both of the Duggar Daughters and I read I'm Glad My Mom Died by Jeanette McCurdy, which was a fantastic book. Trigger, trigger warning for everything, um, but fantastic book. And I may have read one other celebrity memoir that's not coming to mind right now. And I just, I hit my cap. So I'm saving those three for next year. I'm working my way through Heather Gay's uh, memoir, uh, Bad Mormon. Heather Gay is one of the cast members on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, um, which in my opinion is the best Real Housewives franchise. And we're going to talk about- that the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City is incredibly amusing to me. It's fantastic. It's such a good show. Like, okay, all of you deconstructorinos, there's a lot of deconstruction talk, especially in the first two seasons of the show. Also, one of the cast members, and we're going to have an episode coming out about this next year. Um, we haven't done it yet because uh, Sadie has, her life is too hectic <laughs> for her to be able to watch two full seasons of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Um, but we're, I, one of the cast members of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City is legit a cult leader. And we're gonna talk about. It. So <laughs> like I'm she- getting, um, I'm getting my COVID booster in a week to a week and a half because I have a, I have a kid. In case y'all didn't know that, and my husband and I cannot get our boosters on the same day because then we are sick on the same day. Mm. And like the the he has, he always gets really bad, like muscle aches and fatigue from getting the shot, and then he's fine by the next day. But mine was pretty bad last time, and we cannot both be that bad on the same day. So we have to schedule them a week apart. But when I get my booster, I'll try to watch Real Housewives, because I should be in bed for most of a day. Oh, how much Real Housewives have you watched, Sadie? Exactly zero. Okay, so every like reality TV show trope that you've ever seen have like happen on reality TV, like real housewives is like the source material for that. I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Should we move on to predictions? Yes. Let's do some predictions. I'm excited for this. Okay. I have, I did not get to write a lot of Mad Libs. I tried, but then I remembered that I really suck at at writing Mad Libs. (laughs) So do you want to explain the concept here? No, because I didn't write enough to actually do them. Oh, okay. Um. No, I think um, I think Jill Rodriguez will make a very pointed antichrist mm. prediction this year. I think she will come out and say this person is the antichrist and stock up on Plexus because the tribulation is coming. 
I mean, that's a good example. Who do you think it's going to be like? Like Taylor Swift, like uh, Joe Biden. I like, mean, those she are... hates she hates Biden, but that's maybe too obvious. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, speaking of Plexus Pink Drink, my girlfriend had me watch Arcane on Netflix, which highly recommend you guys watch that. It's a cool show. Um, anyway, whenever like anybody on the show ingests or injects Shimmer, which is like this pink like steroids or something that they do that like makes you super strong for a minute my mind just immediately goes to plexus pink drink i've never heard of shimmer that's oh it's like yeah it's it's like i mean arcane is like an animated show that is kind of like post-apocalyptic or something like dystopian but it's kind of cool it's it's very 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 cool art style highly recommend it um it's on netflix there's like nine episodes that kind of sounds like a plot point from The Boys. I don't know if you've seen The Boys. Oh, yeah, I've seen The Boys. It sounds like um, V. I do. Uh, I really love the TV show The Boys. I want to give it, it a trigger warning. It is extremely gory. It's a very, very, very bloody TV show. And there's gross out moments and body horror stuff. Personally, I think the plot is more than worth it. But should, I should give, I feel like I need to give a disclaimer if I recommend something that is that deeply f- up on so many levels. <laughs> Speaking of end times and rapture and, um, and, and election stuff, because 2024 is an election year, I think that in summer or fall of 2024, Paul Oligus is going to shift towards making end times and rapture adjacent comment content. Ooh. How do you feel about that? that? I would love that because it would be so bad and bad, like <laughs> ill-informed, and because, <laughs> like, I know Revelation, and I know he would do such a bad job with it. Like Paul Oligus got mad that they had like black elves in Lord of the Rings show on Amazon. Um, yeah, of course he did. <laughs> I also like I I feel like Paul Oligus would read Revelation but like think that the word has the wrong definition or something and then you know what I'm saying and like look at like the predictions and then like yeah. just look at something that just like something innocuous that happens on a TV show and then he'll be like the reboot of I don't know what are they doing a reboot of this year Mean um, Girls Mean Yeah, the, the, yeah the, okay perfect example <laughs> the Mean Girls reboot uh, this has a scene in which a character does this, and that is directly referenced in this passage in Revelation. Like his mm-hmm. obsession with pop culture, I think, could just be very, very funny for him to like, and and decrying woke pop culture as a sign of like the devil and the world getting like that could totally happen because there was that movie on Netflix. Is it called The End of the World? Or this is the end. Something. Oh, no, this is that's the, the end. Is that the, the end one? with the like the stoner comedy? No, that's a different movie. There was a new one that was very that was recent. It might be Carol in the End of the World. I also think that like apocalyptic and like end of the world, end times type movies have gotten really popular lately, just because we lived through a pandemic. And everyone's like, well, this is how we cope with it is by making media about it. It's just like how in the 1960s, they all wanted to make like, you know, espionage dramas because they just kind of lived through the uh, the threat of nuclear annihilation with the Cuban Missile Crisis. Collective trauma processing. 
there yeah. was a ton of uh like Godzilla type movies being made be- in response to uh dropping the bomb, right? Like yeah, perfect what's going to happen? We don't know. And so suddenly you have Godzilla, you have um there's a movie where there's like giant ants that um I show a clip to my kids, but it's all in response and then in the you know, into the, in the seventies, into the eighties, you've got the response to the Vietnam war and what all these guys had witnessed. And so you get much gorier movies. Like I could go on, but, um, yeah, yeah, I think there's definitely a reaction to what's going on in the world. Whenever we're seeing these, uh, and there was, there was this recent movie on, on Netflix and I can't remember the title and I haven't seen it yet. That was, that was very much an apocalyptic end of the world type movie and certain QAnon adjacent fundamentalists that I am aware of have been saying, oh, this is all programming. This is the new world order setting you up for what they are about to do. They're giving us clues for what they are about to do to us in 2024. So that's already happening. And it would not surprise me at all if Paul decided to jump on that train and then act like he made it all up himself. I think you're talking about leave the world behind. Leave the world behind. That's the one. I also think that this Thank is going you. to be enhanced by because Paul August he has a recently born baby within the past year, um, and Morgan's pregnant again. Uh, Morgan's pregnant. So that dude is not f-ing sleeping. That dude's brain is <laughs> addled by sleep deprivation, and he's also like protect, protect, protect my kids. It's Paul. Do you think he helps overnight? It doesn't matter if he helps. That baby cries. Like, baby's going to cry. Somebody's going to have to get up. Whether or not he actually gets out is the one getting out of bed to, like, change the baby or feed the baby or whatever it is that the baby needs. He still wakes up. That's a good take. That's That's interesting. Dude's not sleeping. I guarantee you that dude's not sleeping. Like you look at his face, he looks like he like if you look at his the videos now that they're posting as opposed to the videos that they were posting like two years ago, dude looks like he's aged quite a bit. Like he he's like and I'm not like trying to shame him for aging because everybody ages, especially, you know, if you don't sleep well because you have a kid. That's just a thing that happens. Maybe you don't get as much time to take care of yourself. That's natural. That's not something that's shameful. But also, like, you know, you can tell that this dude's life is maybe more stressful now than it was before. And I'm sure Mm. he is, yeah. Yeah, well, I I like your prediction. Um, I predict that Tim Rodriguez and Heidi will get married and he will swiftly make a few steps toward normal before settling into a new less disturbing level of cringe uh when i originally wrote this prediction i said she will be wearing pants again within six months but between the time i wrote the prediction and when we recorded the episode they posted a a photo on social media where she is wearing pants so it's already happened she it, it was matching pajamas for christmas so it's not quite her wearing jeans in public again but i do predict that it will happen Jill will make a big deal of it, and Jill will plagiarize the Duggar statement about some of our children have different standards than we do, but they've worked it out with God, and we're proud of them for following the Lord's leading. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so I specifically predict that Jill will nearly word for word plagiarize that Duggar statement about it. I think that Jill is also low-key excited for this to happen because that means that she can probably call up Jim, Bob, or Michelle and ask how they dealt with it. So that she'll have an excuse to talk to them. Yeah, I mean, she'll try. I don't think they'll take her calls. 
guarantee that they screen J-Rod's calls. <laughs> I mean, would you take... I would take a call. If J-Rod called me up, although maybe, like, I'm not the type of person that J-Rod would, like, clout chase being friends with, so I don't know why J-Rod would be calling me like that, but, like, if I was just me and J-Rod was calling me up, I would take her calls every time. I mean, maybe she's calling you because she wants to set the record straight. I think, like, she's she's a nut job, so, like... She might do something like that. It's true. Donnie, you got any predictions? Um, I some I'm not entirely caught up on um the plaths. Uh there's a lot going on over there. Um I feel like you know, we know that Ethan and Olivia are going their separate ways. I'm real curious to see what happens with Olivia. Um I think that she's going to I don't know. I think she's going to surprise us with what she does and what she says specifically about the experience of being there. Um, we know that she's been on the show for years, but I, I think Olivia is going to spill some beans about the Plath family um, that are not the things we've seen. I think Olivia will probably, yeah, I think she'll probably write a book while she's got the attention while she's got the spotlight. Yeah. I would love to have Olivia on the show personally. If Olivia, oh, yeah. if yeah. anybody um, get us with Olivia Plath, I would love to talk to her. No, she posted on TikTok a couple weeks ago, and people were just like, a lot of people tagged Li- us. Thanks, so thank you, listeners. Because Olivia was like, I want to go on people's podcasts, and people were tagging our show. And then I think Sadie and I, we both hopped over on the comments and said, yes, please come on our show if you want to. So I just mm-hmm. want, um, I want the inside scoop on Barry because he has a veneer that is really eerie to me. Like I've known that guy and I've like in other contexts and in my childhood and whatnot. And they always like, there's a vibe there that things are not quite right. And so I want to know what the heck is really going on with, with Barry. Um, you know, Kim's off doing her thing and, and she seems like she's processing and doing okay. But Barry, you know, has gotten ripped. Barry does steroids now. Yeah. Like when you, remember I sent you that? I was like, oh my God, look at Barry. No, dude, because like Micah, my, how old's Micah? Micah's like 23 now, yeah. right? He's like, so if Micah has big ass arms and is just like y- yoked, you know, because he's a model. He's right. that's like his job is to just be in the gym all day and make sure that his body looks right. Barry is how old? 57, 50. He's like in his 50s. You can't add 15 pounds of muscle onto your frame in your 50s unless you've got some help. Yeah, he's 55. Like you've got some chemical help going on there. Dinah, you said that Barry just has a vibe of something's not right. And I totally agree. Like I've seen that vibe and seen the the outcome of it more than a few times. Uh-huh. And it doesn't, you know, mean that he's some sort of criminal or something. Right. Although it certainly can. See Josh Duggar. But it 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 can turn out a lot of different ways. It can turn out that somebody was queer and closeted. It can turn out that somebody has a gambling problem mm-hmm. or 
really, really loves Legos and has been hiding it from their family for years. Like it can be a vast spectrum. He's a, he's too calculated. So you're saying that Barry has a secret sin. I think Barry might like who doesn't. Right. But I think, yeah, there's something, there's something not right there um, because he's too like calm and calculated. And he, he speaks in it like a low, but soft voice and everything is good and everything is right. And he knows the answer. And it's just really mm-hmm. like, I, I've just, I've known the type and it, it always like makes my hackles stand up. Yeah. And I don't want to make it out like, Oh, you know, there's, he's a bad guy because it can be non morally concerning things, but I absolutely agree. There is something there. Yeah. So I want, I want Olivia to dish uh, as much as she can. And I think she will. Um, She's going to need a writing partner, obviously, but I think that she has things to say this upcoming year. I've also got a prediction that is completely not fundy related. Um, can I predict something else? Oh, please. Oh, yeah. Is it the Go rapture? It. Um, okay. Gypsy Rose Blanchard. I mentioned her before. She is being released from prison. I think that she starts in OnlyFans. I think that she like milks as much attention as she can out of um, the release from prison. And then she launches an OnlyFans. Wait, who is this person? So she was the she's the girl that um, killed her mother after her mother had been she had uh, Munchausen's by proxy where she was keeping Gypsy sick and uh, like she and constantly getting her on all these medications that she didn't actually need and getting these surgeries and things and made her like live in a wheelchair and and all this stuff. But she wasn't actually ill. And so she got a lot of attention and stuff for that. And then eventually uh, Gypsy sort of met a guy online and they decided that uh, she would like, they would kill the mother to get away from her and then flee to be with the guy. Um, So she is being released from prison. She served apparently 85% of her time and is being released uh, for, I guess, good behavior. I don't know. Um, But I think she like parlays that into some sort of money-making attempt like i think there'll be a i know that there's a tv series coming out uh where like she's being interviewed and like spilling what was going on from her perspective i don't know i think she she takes a sharp left somehow and i, I think it could be like only fans what th- if instead of starting an only somebody gave her a reality show i i mean that could be interesting we are gonna be because of the extended writer's strike and actor's strike we are going to see until summer this year we're going to be in reality show mode do y'all remember like the summer after the last really big strike yeah that's where we got like survivor and big brother and stuff Uh yeah jersey shore the circle Mm -hmm. was kind of on the end of that Mm. um or on the tails of that renaissance in reality content so i wonder if somebody will throw Gypsy Rose a um, reality show. It's like Gypsy Rose learns to be a person. <laughs> like, cause yeah. she's, she's never lived in like quote unquote normal society. Right. She was yeah. in this bubble where she was completely, you know, being obliterated by her mother for attention and, you know, going to Disney world and, you know, her teeth are falling out because she's got all these quote unquote issues. 
and then she goes to prison. Like those are two very, very different social realities, but they're neither one is like quote unquote normal day to day life. So like, what is she going to do? I have one final prediction. What is it? I predict that a younger Duggar sibling, and I'm looking at Jason, James, and Jackson, will completely leave behind their upbringing, maybe even change their name, and want to live as a normal person, and will not do that deconstruction publicly. So somebody will disappear from social media. And then reappear, maybe not even in 2024, but reappear years later in a completely new way of living. Wow. Interesting. I hope so. Like, I I would love that for them. Yeah, because Jason, I was talking about this with Chad Harris. Jason is really, really in mentally, but pretending to be out. Like posting his little shirtless workout photos and all of that. I think James is really out mentally and pretending to be in. Hmm. That is interesting. So, and we don't really know much about Jackson. Jackson is 19. But it's it would maybe be interesting because in the Duggar birth order, you have Jedediah and Jeremiah. And Jed is the most in that there is. Uh-huh. And then... Jason and James, both of which are posting very not IBLP approved lifestyles on social media, but in very different ways. And then Justin, who is kind of a wild card because he got married at 18. But then there's Jackson at the end of that string of boys. And that's going to be an interesting position to be in in the Duggar family. I think any position in the Duggar family would be, unfortunately, really interesting. <laughs> Yeah, but think about like you're. It's this. Yeah, I don't know. Did they sign that lifetime contract with uh, with Mad Family Inc.? It's this whole string of brothers that really run the spectrum of behavior and public persona. And if you're the fifth or sixth guy in that line of brothers, I wonder how that yeah affects how a person thinks about the family and their lifestyle. I am, unless anyone else has any predictions, I'm going to pack up these predictions in an email and send it to the Leaving Eden account so that we can actually check ourselves next year. I don't know. I think there should be some prize for who's comes the closest. We can we can figure something out. Yeah. Okay. That sounds good. Um, <clears throat> I, th- I think that's kind of it for all we wanted to do for this episode. Do you, uh, finally, uh, do you guys have New Year's plans? Um, what do you guys I doing? don't have New Year's plans. I have a New Year's resolution that I can share. Oh, go for it. Uh, this year, I want to learn how to crack an egg with one hand. Oh, you can totally do that. Oh, like, so yeah. crack an egg with one hand, but like, not like just crack it not on the edge of something or just like. No, you know how you like, like professional chefs will like crack an egg, a raw egg into a bowl one handed. Oh, and yeah, just like manage that. the shell with one. I've never been able to do it. And this year I want to learn how to do it. What I, I wish I could crack. You know how you, you see them do two eggs at once. I wish I could do that. That would be wild. Well, you should make a New Year's resolution. I also want to read 12 books for fun this year. 
Ooh. Because I did I did read over 12 books this year, which is the first year since Chuck was born, and I'm really happy with that. Um, I also read a couple full-length academic papers, like doctoral thesis-level academic papers, um, which I think should count as a book. But most of what I read was for work. I think I only read three books or four books just for fun that were not for work in any way. So next year, I would really like to get to 12 books that are not work-related. That's a really good goal. I believe in you. Yeah. Dinah, you got any plans, resolutions for New Year's? Um, Plans are pretty low-key. I think I'm going to be hanging out with some friends for a family-friendly, which means early, uh, New Year's Eve, and then uh, head out to uh, some other friend's place where we can shoot fireworks off and... Uh, re in the new year. I do have uh, some friends that are going to be crashing with me on New Year's Eve, which is really fun. Um, they're in town from the East Coast. So um, that's exciting. As far as resolutions, I think my resolution this year is to get back into physically creating things more often. Um, a lot of the stuff yes, that I create. That's a great one. Yeah. Like a lot of the stuff I create is for work. Like I'm building costumes or, you know, whatever for work. Um, and I want to get back into creating things for myself more regularly. And that's not to say I haven't created anything this year, but just taking the time and, and like working with my hands and, you know, the different media that I, I use. Uh, so yeah, I want to be, get back into using the mountains of fabric and, bottles of glue and sewing machine and rhinestones and who knows what else and and be more in touch with my creative side for me and not for the job that's an amazing resolution and you reminded me of another one i did a ton of canning jams and jellies this year and i was really happy with that and in 2024 i want to do some pickling and fermenting specifically sauerkraut and kimchi oh i've done that before if you need any pointers i love making sauerkraut and kimchi i really i really feel like it's time like i've canned all the things i'm going to can for the year until Mm -hmm. summertime and i i think it's when it's winter it's time to do the fermenting I've got a gallon of mead that I just started. Um, well, like last week, um, but I put apple in it. I've never done apple before. I've done like blueberry mead and stuff. It comes, it's lovely, but um, I'm very excited about my mead that, you know, maybe in a year and a half, I'll be able to drink. <laughs> it takes forever to, it takes forever to taste good. It doesn't take forever to ferment, but to actually taste good takes quite a long time. <laughs> Gavi, New Year's resolutions or plans? So my plans, um, I'm going to see Eagles Cardinals right. at the link on uh, the 31st. And then I'm going to, that's at like 1 p.m. So then I'm going to come back to my apartment and probably nap for like three hours. And then I've got friends who are coming over in the evening pregame at my house. And then we're going to go out. I told everyone that I would be wearing my tuxedo so they should dress accordingly. Um <laughs> I think for resolutions, I just want to play guitar more. Mm. I haven't done that as much this year. I've been distracted by other things, and I want to do that maybe a bit more. Um, 
Yeah, so this has been the Leaving Eden podcast. This has been the year of 2023, and we hope that you guys will enjoy 2024, and I hope we all enjoy 2024. It'll be a good year. I believe it. Happy 2024 to all of y'all. Thank you, listeners, for making 2023 such a great year for us. Thank you for having us in your ears for such an extended amount of time. That is not something that I take lightly at all. That you give me that kind of time and that kind of attention blows me away every single day, and especially around Spotify wrapped season and the end of the year. I am so thankful. And thanks for sticking with us into 2024. I think we're going to have a great year together. And thank you, Dinah, for being a good friend and also for coming on this episode and hanging out with us. Um, it is always a pleasure to get to hang out and spend time with you guys. And um, I love that we have been able to do so multiple times now, um, but it's always fun. I, f- I feel like I always um, learn things about you guys, but also like delve into things that we have commonalities and and i love that you belong in my heart dinah you belong in my heart you guys (laughs) oh well you're both in my heart too um and they're you know it's crowded in there but um i've got room for for lots of people hey the more the merrier that's right thank you thank you guys so much for tuning in you guys have a great day bye-bye Yeah.